What's up, party people? Welcome to the Big 5-0 Game Face, episode 50, right here on Sifted Games. I'm Shane Satterfield. I'm Matt Kyle. We're here to bring you the best in video games for this week. For the 50th For damn the 50th time, time. yep. <laughs> uh, just right out of the gate, this is not going to be some crazy special episode 50. Uh, with Sifted's one-year anniversary coming up, we're going to do like a special anniversary streamaganza of some sort to celebrate the one-year anniversary and also to kind of drive subscriptions as well, kind of do a little subscription drive uh, along with the show. So still going to be a great show, but it's not like a crazy over-the-top episode 50 crazy skit madness, whatever you want to call it type, yeah. type thing. But uh, we do have a good show. Uh, lots of talk to talk about off the top. Lots of kind of middle-of-the-road mm-hmm. stuff that we wouldn't do a whole uh, big six topic for. Uh, first one we're going to talk about is Sifted Year 2. Um, I'm assuming everyone on the stream went to the site today. If not, uh, there's a video explaining some of the big changes that are coming to Sifted for the second year. Um, obviously, you can go to the site and watch the whole thing. Just to paraphrase, the big bullet points are year two, premium subscription is going up to $50. So um, I explain why. I think you guys probably know why. Uh, at our old subscription price, we would not survive at $30 a year. We need more to keep the site going. So it is going up. Um, and don't try to get smart and go to Gifted and buy it at 30 bucks for next year. <laughs> We've already changed the price on Gifted to 50 So uh, so yeah, going forward, uh, beginning June 1st, it'll be $50. Everybody get your credit card information updated on the site. If you're on Auto Renew, when June 1st rolls around, it's going to try to automatically charge your card. Or if your PayPal account has changed for whatever reason during this, this time, uh, make sure you get it all in order for June 1st. Still got some time for that, but just want to bring that up. And then the other big change is that there are not going to be any more basic subscriptions on Sifted. So no more $10 a year subscriptions to just access a Sift. Basically, the base, func- base, base functionality of Sifted is going to be free going forward. And that is a big, big deal. Uh, and one thing I just want to talk about is, you know, the reason the $10 thing was there was to try to keep the community uh, as good as possible, but the truth of the matter is is that we hardly have any basic subscribers at all. I think it's literally like 95% of our subscribers are premium. Um, and the $10 charge is just keeping people from really trying the site. And uh, that's really our biggest challenge, is getting, one, getting new people to the site, knowing that it exists, but then once they get there, actually sticking around long enough to see if they're going to enjoy it. And so we feel like waiving that $10 uh, basic charge will encourage people to stick around on the site, become a part of the community, and then hopefully we can convert them into premium subscribers uh, once they're a part of the site and a part of the community. So that's kind of the idea. Uh, ads, obviously it's it's going to be ad-free. I don't want to put ads on the site at all because that kind of goes against the whole crux of what we're trying to do, which is create an independent game site free of conflict of interest. We don't want to take advertising money from video game publishers. But damn it, the gamers are pushing us towards it. It's like, you know, people have asked for this all this time. They're like, give me a site that doesn't do have ads for video games. And we give it to them, and then they're like, eh. It's like... Give us a site where the fairies fly the data out magically right. from, the, from the cave of wonders. <laughs> exactly. Onto the internet of free things. Of free things. There is no internet of free things. That's been one of the most discouraging things from the first year is 
building something that so many people ask for all this time and then they get it and they're like, eh, 10 bucks. I don't want to pay. It's $10. Like that's been a big eye opener. And uh, mm -hmm. we fought it. We tried to make it work for a whole year. Um, when you're talking about a small company trying to survive, a year is a long time. And we did everything we could to try to make it work. It just didn't. So we are cracking open Sifted to everybody, basically. We haven't announced that yet. It actually, the functionality isn't even there yet. Uh, it'll be online tomorrow. So starting tomorrow, uh, everybody will be able to join for free and be a part of the community for free. Um, so yeah, that's kind of disappointing that the whole $10 thing didn't work out. It's like we thought about lowering it to like 5 bucks, and we're like, the charges that we get through our credit card processing company would it'd be like we were making nothing anyway. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go free. Hopefully it brings a lot more people to the site. Share it. Let people know when it goes live tomorrow that uh, they can be a part of Sifted for free now. They don't have to pay anything. Um, so, yeah, big changes are afoot, but they, they're necessary. I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't necessary, if we didn't need to do it to make it work. Uh, a lot of times people launch companies, mm -hmm. and you have concepts and ideas when you first launch. And ultimately, uh, when the rubber hits the road, so to speak, <coughs> they don't always work Sorry. the way that you had hoped for them to. And that's definitely the case. Like the $10 basic membership, people just weren't biting on it. And so instead of being stupid and digging in the heels, because that's what companies do that fail, uh, we're pivoting. We're changing uh, because we have to listen to consumers and what they want. So hopefully all these people come to Sifted and they see how awesome it is and they realize they'll never have to visit another video game website again. And they'll stick around, and then after a while, after well, they, they use will, the site. they'll just see it through the sifted frame. Right, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so anyway, big changes with that. Uh, other big news that came out yesterday, Kojima, you remember he was doing this big tour mm -hmm. where he was going from the developer to developer, and everyone was like, what the hell is he doing? Well, it turns out that he was shopping for game engines for his new game for Sony. Makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. I mean, it's a small studio. You don't want to have to, you know, because who knows how much all the huge dev time and delays that we were used to from Kojima's productions. Like, who knows how much of that was building, testing, you know, tweaking an engine. And I'm guessing a year and a half to, to two game. years, yeah. yeah, each time. And I'm also guessing that, look, everybody knows Kojima's MO now. They know that he takes forever to make games, mm. and regardless of why or whatever the excuse is, I have a feeling that Sony may have just went to him and been like, look, yeah. <laughs> like, bro. Lo love you, bro, <laughs> but... <laughs> You can't be pulling the crap with us that you were pulling with Konami all this time. And, uh, you know, maybe the good first step for your small studio is to just rent an engine. Mm -hmm. Now, it is disappointing to me to hear this because, you know, when they build their own engine, the game tends to look really good. And, you know, the last engine they built, the Fox engine, ended up being really versatile. They use it in Pro Evolution Soccer, of all things. Hmm. Um, so, not that I'm going to cry for Konami, but... Uh, it, it is a little disappointing to hear that he's just going to use kind of a makeshift engine for this. I mean, it's not like Unreal 4 is weak or... No. That's just, you know, I'm, clearly he used to build the engines around what he wanted to do in the game, and that can lead to a much better experience. And, you know, we've seen what Uncharted 4 can do when you, you know, when you code to the metal, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, dude's got to get some content out. He does, yeah. And uh, it, uh, to your point about writing to the metal, you know, you wonder, too, if some of his better programmers didn't get jobs elsewhere mm. or didn't just roll back into Konami. Who knows? I mean, we probably never will know that, that side of it. But I was pretty disappointed to hear that he's going to use a generic engine for the game. Um, with his creativity 
and his ability to kind of sculpt things, um, I have every confidence he's still going to be able to make a great game. Yeah, I'm sure he picked the one that fits what he wants to do the best. I mean, I, you know, Kojima's not one to settle. Yeah. And, I mean, the the swath of studios that he visited really ran the gamut. Like, Yeah, like ruled out nothing, Yeah, clearly. I wanted to see everything there was available. Spared, I mean, spared no expense yeah. for his Jurassic Park of independent game. <laughs> I mean, he even went to studios that don't typically license out their engines. Yeah. Like, he went to check. It's like, they'll license them to me. Yeah, like, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, like, so a might. lot of them were, like, Sony first-party studios, and I'm wondering if Sony gave him a call and was like, hey, yeah. we got Kojima rolling in, like, he wants to look at your engine, and if he likes it, like, we need to work something out with him. And yeah. I hope that that's the case. But actually, did it come out that he is working on Unreal? I didn't see it. I don't know if they announced it. I the didn't see engine. a specific engine mentioned. Yeah. But, but I, uh, I, oh, I pretty much just skimmed it. Yeah. So... A little bit of news there on Kojima. Uh, he also unveiled, like, the full body of his logo. Because, yeah. like, his logo is that weird head, and then he... Oh, my God, it's a character. Oh, my God, he's facing to the side. Kojima, genius, genius, genius. <laughs> he's facing to the side. <laughs> Looking to the left, it's amazing. <laughs> what could it mean? <laughs> the funny part is that I'm sure there are people out there. Oh, of course. I'm, exactly I'm, not, I'm basing that on a thread I read. Are you kidding? <laughs> I didn't make that up. It's freaking great. I love it. That's passion for you. Uh, next thing we're going to talk about is the studio behind Bulletstorm is working on two brand new games. It's looking like one of them is, in fact, Bulletstorm 2. Matt, what was your opinion of the first Bulletstorm? Did not like very You much. didn't like it? Not really. I, 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 I just wasn't interested in kind of playing stuntman with shooters. Well, it's like a combo... Ba it's like a fighting game mixed with a first-person shooter. Sort of. I just... It didn't grab me What was all. our tagline? It was like, fight with technique? Or there was some weird tagline that they the used. The only thing I remember about this game is I'll kill your dick. <laughs> That's the only... Literally the only thing I remember about this game beyond, like, how, what it felt to play, play it. I mean, look, it's really generic, and it has that... It also has that generic Unreal look from last yeah. generation. Um... It looks like Gears of War with skinnier dudes. But I actually really enjoyed the gameplay in this. It was something different. It's like the whole idea was to like chain combos together mm. in a first-person shooter. Again, it's, it's like a fighting game in first-person shooter skin, so to speak. And I really thought that was a unique idea. It wasn't executed exceptionally well, but it wasn't ex executed poorly. Um, I'm pretty excited about this. It's, what, four or five years later? Oh, at least. People can fly... Likely have a lot more experience at this point. Mm -hmm. um, they've certainly watched a lot of first-person shooters come and go in this amount of time. So, I'm pretty excited for it. I mean, I don't think Bulletstorm was a bad game. Yeah, it just didn't interest me. Like, I don't care about stringing combos together in a shooter. Like, I didn't care about, uh, what was that? What was that other game that was kind of like that? It was like a target range shooter thing. It was, it was like, um... Uh, I can't remember. It was it was it was more of a target range sort of like setup thing. It was kind of it was kind of dirty and sort of like this sort of I want to say it was like a sort of a British outlaw underground thing. It was like but it was called like the something. It was like the I won't say it was the crew, but it wasn't the crew because that's the racing game. Chad will figure it out. They always yeah. do. <laughs> that's what they're great. Yeah, for. they'll know. It was uh, but it was like uh, the club. That's what uh, it was. Okay. The club. Yeah. And like I know there's people that just like went crazy over how awesome they love that game, but I played like ten minutes of it and it's like, nope, I don't care. <laughs> like shooting a gun is to kill the enemy. I don't care. Like I don't care about doing it with finesse or style or whatever. Like that just doesn't interest me. Yeah. Uh, and Bulletstorm's approach on it was way more interesting than the clubs. Yeah, for but, sure. Um, 
Because at a certain point, it was like, you know, I play shooters to kind of go through them and experience them, and then I'm done, and Bulletstorm is more of a, you know, practices till you learn the system and get really good at doing what you want, what the game wants you to do. And it was just too easy for me to just sort of, like, plow through it like a normal shooter and not do anything. And not pay stuff. attention to... <laughs> and I kind of wish it was a little more demanding in terms yeah. of, like, making you learn how to be good at the game systems before it let well, you move on. Yeah, I think the idea was that it wasn't about getting from point A to point B and progressing through the campaign. It was like, how high of a score can you get? Right. Completely but I wish they'd kind of incorporated that goal into the progression a little more. Yeah. Whereas like, I never felt the game forced me to be good at it to progress. I could see and that. And I, I feel like that was a wasted opportunity. Because I probably could have gotten good at it, but I just, I'm just like, well, if I don't have to why? juggle a guy in the air 14 <laughs> times and like do all that, like, why, why don't I just shoot him in the head and move on? You know? Yeah. Like, and especially, like, that's probably also more of a... You know, game reviewer thing where I'm just like, I don't have time for you. you know? yeah, I don't have yeah. time to learn how to juggle your ass. I, I can move. just kill you and move on. Yeah. yeah, I get it. It just wasn't wasn't a thing. All right, uh, another thing we're gonna talk about briefly, very briefly, like we always do with sports games on Game Face. Madden NFL 17 shown for the first time this week. That's Everyone right. tried to stay awake for the next <laughs> 90 seconds while I talk about it. Um, you know, I thought that initially too. Uh, I was like, oh, you know, snooze, snooze fast, probably not going to have anything new. They're actually completely, like, overhauling the game this time, at least gameplay-wise. Uh, visually, it looks pretty much the same. Gronk, of course, running yeah, through I'm, I'm just absorbed by this Gronk footage. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't, can't look away. <laughs> uh, but they're completely revamping, like, how everything works on both offense and defense. Their big focus this year, actually, is getting rid of money plays. And that is something that they should have done forever ago. Because I don't that, know is, what that is so that is my major complaint that I've had with Madden for the last like decade. Basically money plays are plays that work every time, no matter mm. the defense. And sometimes it's like Bo Jackson Techno Bowl action. A little there. bit like that, yeah. And sometimes it's not even like the play that's called that does it. It's you you run a play and like it used to be like you could play as like a quarterback who could run really quick, like Vic, Michael Vick. Like, it used to be you could play him, and every play you could just drop back, like, literally, like, 60 or 70 yards back behind the line of scrimmage and throw it, and he could whip it, like, the whole way down the field. And, like, by that time, all the defenders would draw up, and the receivers were left wide open. And then all the, the dogs ran up to defend yeah. Michael Vick. <laughs> I knew that was and coming. Stop stopped the, the defenders from, from tackling him. That could be. That's one hell of a pocket he's got there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then sometimes it is actually a play that just works every flip in time. Like there was a like a, a slant play in last year's game that literally online, like I don't use it every time, but if I get in a position where I need a first down really bad, you better believe I'm going to use a money play. And that's what everybody does. Like some people literally play it the use it the whole game. Mm -hmm. Like pros use like like there's no limit to it. No, it's not like a super move or something. No, huh? Like, there are pros that use three plays the entire game in, like, the big Madden tournaments that EA sponsors. Like, they just sit there and call the same play over and over, and it's, like, impossible to stop. So wow. their big focus this year is cutting off the money plays. The way they're doing that is apparently the defensive... You can, like, choose for your defense to defend parts of the field. Instead of having to call, like, a specific play, you can say just defend the right flat. So if a guy's running, like, a halfback screen to the right over and over again... You can choose to just defend that part of the field, and hopefully, we'll see. They've mm -hmm. talked about this before, but never with such fervor. But hopefully this time, they actually get it right. So, yeah, we'll see. But Madden shown off for the first time with very limited fanfare, I might add. Like it just I didn't kinda, even know they did that. Yeah, it just kind of came and went. 
But Madden's kind of settled into this place where like EA knows exactly what it's getting every year. It's going to sell three mm-hmm. or four million copies. It's still going to make two or three hundred million dollars in profit. Got no competition. Because the, they bought the license yeah. and there's nothing anyone else can do. And so they've just kind of settled into this cozy little like, well, we know what we're going to get out of this. Um, and if we're going to keep releasing it annually, that's exactly what you're going to get. Um, I, I'm still waiting for the day when a sports game just releases like at the beginning of a generation like the game. Mm. And then it's just DLC updates from there on out. Like, I've actually heard some rumblings about, like, NBA 2K that it might be doing that. And actually, EA put NBA Live on hiatus for this Mm -hmm. year, and they're going to release it next year. And that is their plan, is to release it and then create a platform for it. And, you know, with eSports and stuff taking off, like, it really makes sense for sports games to kind of do that. Like, just put out the base game, make it like a sport instead of this annual release, and then just iterate on top of it like they do with League of Legends or Dota or yeah, whatever. Yeah, season so. system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously... Kind of like what sports do. Yeah, yeah. Kind of <laughs> makes sense, doesn't it? But uh, anyway, don't want to talk too much. I've already spent an extra minute longer than I should have on Madden. I'm sure we lost <coughs> half of our uh, audience on the live stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last note before we get to the big six. So all these rumors flying around about Nintendo NX coming mm-hmm. from various people of various reputations. Uh, the president of Nintendo this week actually made an official statement about NX and didn't give a lot of details, but the most important thing that he mentioned is that it's different. The scariest word Nintendo can say. It is. For a lot of people, that is like the worst thing that they could have heard. Back in the Nintendo difference era, that just meant like we want you to buy a whole bunch of Game Boy Colors and and connectivity devices. It was... The Nintendo difference was that we didn't care and we cared about the rest (laughs) of it. It was just like, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, uh, we did a poll for one of our polls of the day on Sifted, and one of the options was just give me a console that plays Nintendo games, basically. In so many words, that's what it was. And it was the most popular Mm -hmm. option selected. I mean, I maintain that the way to go is to kind of, you know, if they want to do some kind of streaming thing, or so, like, you turn that box into a giant virtual console with new games as well. But, like, you should be able to go to that box for any... Nintendo game you've ever played. Ever. ever. They're never going to do that. And it should be called the Nintendo Entertainment System, and it should be gray and red. And they'll never do that. No, it makes too much sense. It, well, they, it makes too much sense, but they also make too much money doing the other thing, which is making you rebuy the same game. Well, I mean, you make me times. rebuy it, but like just have a better selection. That's part of one of the other disappointments of the Wii U, is like their virtual console is garbage, because they, they never, I mean, they've got like what, like four N64 games up or something? Yeah. Like they don't keep up with it. Like it, it's, it's. It seems to me that it's better in Japan, because a lot of times when I'm curating yeah. Content like uh, always, like after midnight, like all the new Japan media rolls in for the next day because there are it's already like 9 a.m. in Japan, and so every night at like midnight or 1 a.m., this deluge of right. media comes into the admin from Nintendo's YouTube channel, and literally almost all of them are like backwards compatible games mm-hmm. for the Wii U. But like none of it ever comes here. A lot of it never comes here, and a lot of them are like really obscure games, and I'm like, who's yeah. choosing this crap? Like, well, like you've all, I mean, there is. I know there would be a gap. Uh, in the N64 era, because apparently Microsoft has all those rare games now. What they own, like all. Well, I don't know. Like, how do they get all that on Rare Replay if it's uh, Nintendo? Well, they could have just worked out a deal. I mean, look, Mario's in Minecraft, so yeah. those deals happen. Look, Banjo. There was Banjo games for Nintendo handhelds. Like they. It was a while ago, though. Yeah, but still, I mean, well, Banjo kind of went out of relevancy there for a while yeah. as well. I mean, so. the, the handheld thing, I think, was because Microsoft. Has no handheld, nothing care. Right, no, com- no, no competition. But like, when it, you know, if if a band, like, my question is like, 
could Nintendo put the Banjo-Kazooie games on the virtual console, or is that something that Microsoft wouldn't allow because they see it too valuable? I honestly do not know the details of everything yeah. that they sold to Rare. I mean, obviously, you know, Diddy Kong Racing and stuff right, like that. Right, because they own those characters. But, I mean, you know, Rare Replay has, you know, the, the Banjo-Kazooie, they have Blast Corps, they have Jet, Jet Force Gemini, they have all these yeah. N64 games. And it's like, you know, outside of, like, GoldenEye, which fell apart because of the license. Yeah. Perfect Dark. Like, you got to wonder, like, would that be part of that? I mean, experience. Nintendo... Because Rare was such an integral part of the Nintendo 64 experience. Oh, like, for would, sure. Would it like was the missing. N64 yeah. experience. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, it made better games for that system than Nintendo did. Yeah, I actually said that uh, this week where somebody was talking about, oh, so were you a Nintendo fan around for the N64, at least? And I, and I said... You know, I, I was, I love my N64, but I feel like I was more of a Rare fan than yeah. a Nintendo I think a lot fan. of people would say that. Which Nintendo at the time, made... of course, was the kind of the same thing, Yeah. but like, they were eventually it kind of turned out that no, it wasn't. Yeah. There's a, a Rareware game of that era really feels like a Rare, you know, you know when you're playing. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, Nintendo made great games uh, for the yeah. N64, but I think if you look at great games from each for that yeah. platform, I think Rare probably had maybe one or two more. It's got the edge, I would say. And it also has the edge in personality in a lot of yeah. ways. I mean, you know, you know, while Nintendo was cranking out stuff like, you know, the Kirby 64 game and stuff, you're, you know, and, and what, Pokemon Puzzle League or whatever the hell. like you Pokemon know, you, Stadium. Yeah, meanwhile, you're, you're like, okay, well, over here we've got uh, Jet Force Gemini and... And another gold, and we got Goldeneye, we got Perfect Dark, we got you know, it, it, we got Conquer, like it, things that Nintendo just wasn't attempting. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot more about Rare's old games for the N64 than we do Nintendo's, other than yeah. Super Mario 64 and o- Ocarina of Time. I will say that Nintendo uh, definitely has surpassed Rare since then. Oh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> the shell that's left yes. of Rareware. So, which is sort of what Rare Replay really drives home, isn't it? Yep, it really does. Yeah. So you know, I think. I know I'm probably going against the grain on this. I'm not that upset to hear that the NX is different. To be all, in all, to be honest, I mean, with I you. was certainly I, ready for that. Yeah, come on. I just, it's like I already have two consoles that do what people are asking for. That just play games and just have a really good like online mm-hmm. infrastructure. Like I'm. Well, the thing is, I think it needs to just play games. And if they wanted to also have it do something different beyond that, that's fine. Yeah. But too Don't long. Don't require yeah, it. Yeah, too long. Nintendo's different thing has been to the detriment of letting the console compete with its competition. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, I, in my opinion, I like the best of both worlds. Give yeah. me that pro controller and then also whatever crazy thing sure. that you're working on. But uh, you're right, though. The problem with Nintendo is a lot of times it demands from third parties that it makes use of whatever crazy gadget mm-hmm. gizmo that they're putting in their hardware. and. That turns a lot of uh, developers and publishers off. Sure. So turn yeah. some on. Some yeah, really some. like. I mean, Ubisoft seems to enjoy the challenge, but uh, EA seems to be going. Mm, we'll wait and see yeah. what happens. I've seen a lot of indie developers seem to like working on Wii U because they like a challenge, and yeah. their games aren't that complicated to port over, and they like working with the gamepad. But the big guys, they're just like, it's not worth dumping all that money into it when mm-hmm. it's going to sell a fraction of what it would sell on the other guys. So. So yeah, disappointing news, maybe, depending on your perspective. I personally am okay with Nintendo doing something a little different. Hopefully it's not it's too mostly insane. Just like, as long know, as it's not like the Vitality sensor. Like I I'm sure it's not anything. I, mean, I, I, I hope Although it's not Although they brought that back happened. up this week, too. The quality of life stuff. Uh, they are going to... Well, I saw uh, in, like, their, was their, their patent list or whatever it was something about like... like um, Soft, like software, useful software, computer software. So it was it was a different term than what they usually use for their 
you know, their game output. Right. It makes people and people are yeah. They're doing like about, a restructuring or whatever. Yeah. They're trying to diversify their business and I don't know. Like Nintendo making like hospital equipment. What? I mean. Like, <laughs> I heard of diversifying your portfolio, but come on now. Yeah, I mean they—it's—it's uh, it's not unprecedented. They you know, Atari turned around and started using the Jaguar system mold for uh, dentist X-ray mounts. They and Saddam Hussein used the PS2 to launch nukes. I don't—I don't—I don't think that was a thing. <laughs> you don't remember hearing that? About I remember how hearing he that. like eighteen. I also remember PS2. hearing that the emotion engine was what made facial expressions really good automatically. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because people don't understand what code names mean. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So the PlayStation Neo is also not going to kung fu fight for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to show up in a long black coat. I don't know. Well, I, I might buy buy it. <laughs> if it comes with a long black coat for when you stand it vertically. Oh, you're buying the Neo no matter what. We'll see. Yeah, you are, and so am I. If you if it has so are you. If it has Uncharted Four at sixty frames a second, maybe. Yeah. If it, if, if, if it depends when I buy the Neo more. It's like, will I buy it this year? Will I buy it early next year? It all depends. I want to be smart about it so I can sell my old PS4 and still get some money for it. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll I know. bet I could get some money for mine because uh, I still got PT on it. Oh, uh, yeah, which mine does not, thanks to my HDMI port <laughs> mishap. So, all right, let's move on. We got all the little stuff out of the way. Now it's time to get to the big six. Doom. 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 Rip and tear. <laughs> so we've talked about Doom on the show before. Yeah. Uh, mostly we talked about multiplayer because mm-hmm. I was in the, uh, beta. the the closed beta and got to play that a good bit. Uh, now the final game is out. Um, so I guess the first thing we should say is that, you know, typically we lay into to publishers when they don't send games out early for review. Mm-hmm. And usually I would say... 80-85% of the time, that's usually a sign that the game is not up to scratch and the publisher is nervous that it's not going to get mm-hmm. a great response from the press. I still don't understand why they didn't send this game out early. I still don't get it. I don't know. But, ultimately, the game has reviewed very well. Mm-hmm. Are you? Have you played Doom? Man? Yeah. How far along are you? Chapter 5, I think. Okay. Um, I'm pretty much at the end of the game. I have not finished the game. I am at the end of the game. I just have not managed to polish it off yet. Mm. Um, so what's your initial impressions of Doom? Let's just talk campaign. Uh, I love it. Yeah? Like, I'm not even a big Doom fan, but, like, it just works. Yeah. I'll tell you, on Mission 3, I got stuck for a while. I couldn't figure out where I need to go or what I was supposed to do. And, like, that was great. Because like, <laughs> you like, found all kinds of hidden crap. Because well, I haven't gotten stuck in a first-person shooter in forever. How'd you, you know? get stuck? I just I missed the guy with the yellow key card. Uh, I didn't see him, and gotcha. so I wandered around and like did everything you could possibly do without opening <laughs> the key card doors. And I kept finding stuff to do. It wasn't like yeah. I was bored. And eventually, I was like, "What the hell? I'm, I'm clearly somebody has a key card." And finally, I, I saw the guy in the yellow vest from like off. And I'm like, "Oh, you? Yeah, I yeah." Didn't, I didn't realize you were important. I thought you were just another dead guy, but like. You know, I mean, we've been in an era of, you know, corridor shooters. You just walk down a linear path and watch a bunch of cutscenes and get to the end and get to the next, you know, and now, you know, Doom, this Doom is designed like those old 90s first-person shooters used to be with big twisting maps with, like, you know, secret passages and, like, things you go through and you can't get back through the way you came and you have to find another way up, another way out. I mean, like, you have to find this key card to open this door. And But it doesn't do it in, like, a tedious, like, find-the-switch puzzle method. It, like, takes, you know... 
it takes really interesting and modern design, but it marries it to that, like, we're not afraid to make a map you might get lost in, or, like, you know, that you have to kind of think your way through in places, and I find that really refreshing, especially combined with a really fast gameplay and, like, the monsters that attack you at every turn and, turn and all that. I'm, I'm having a really good time. I'm going to say something that probably is going to shock people, but I'm surprised nobody else has drawn this comparison does Doom remind you of any other franchise? I want to actually just maybe see if you could, if you say it before I mention it. You mean besides like the stuff that's directly right? Besides from like it? old, besides old school '90s shooters, does it remind you of any franchise? Well, I mean like Painkiller, or Serious Sam, or something. No, that's they're the direct same thing. descendants of, yeah. of them. Um, I don't know Diablo. Uh, no. So Doom reminds me a lot of Metroid Prime. Hmm. Think about it. A little bit. I think Metroid Prime plays slower. Oh, for sure. But everything else about this game reminds me of Metroid mm. Prime. Like, the whole, the design of the game, the obviously the map design, the map itself that you use is identical to the Metroid Prime games. Mm -hmm. uh, it's this isolating thing. There's hardly any exposition in the game where you're talking to other people. You're getting just, like, transmissions from people most of the time. No real cutscenes in the game. It's about exploration. There's all these hit little hidden nooks and crannies. There's all these doors that gate off parts of the levels. And you have to go and find either an object or a key to come back and unlock them. Uh, you, learn, you gradually gain your abilities as you go. Like, I don't know if you remember, but like, there's early parts of the game where you can use the double jump to like, get to places. Mm -hmm. But you don't get the double jump until later on. You can eventually go back and like, get... It reminds me a lot of Metroid Prime. Like, the gunplay, obviously not. It's way faster, mm. and it's totally like a 90s strafe shooter in, that, in the gameplay department. But everything else reminds me of Metroid Prime. Like, I'm surprised no one has at least mentioned it. And I've watched a ton of, like, podcasts and video casts about this game. No one's ever mentioned it. But to me, that's... It's the closest thing you're going to find to Metroid Prime this generation. Because obviously Nintendo's not going to give us one. But that is the vibe I get off of this game. It's more gory gameplay again, really fast, lightning fast, mm -hmm. and lots of strafing, and you don't do a lot of that in the Metroid games. There's no auto-lock for your aim. Um, Quite the it, opposite. Yeah, exactly. But it does give me that whole, like, you in this space station against these creatures. There's no one to help you. Um, the whole way it builds up your arsenal. Like, one thing I really love about the game is... And this is something I mentioned that, you know, Uncharted could have had that it didn't. And people are like, but why? But this is why it's awesome. Like, you face, like, a new enemy for the first time in Doom. And it's a challenge. And you're like, oh, wow. Like, I, it takes everything I got. And, like, you, maybe you die a few times. And then finally, like, you fire off that last shotgun shell just before it's about to attack you. And you kill it. But that tough enemy, an hour later, becomes the rank and file. Mm -hmm. And... I love that progression where you face this enemy, it seems insurmountable, and two hours later, they're just a scrub that you can, and because they've already introduced two other new enemies that you have to fight. Like, uh, there's one part in the game where you fight these big fat dudes for like the first mm -hmm. time. You can, it's like right before you have to kill an important woman in the game. I'm trying not to spoil anything, but there's a woman in the game, and it's like you're, the whole objective of the mission is to kill the woman. And you're right at that point where you're going to square off, and you come into this room, and literally, like, this huge fat guy attacks you. And literally, it took, like, everything I had to kill that guy, and then two more spawn. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, what? Like, 
but then later on in the game, like those big fat dudes end up becoming guys that you just take out with a couple like charged shotgun shells. Like, I love that feeling of progression, that feeling of becoming more powerful as you play the game. And that's definitely what I get out of this. And it's also what I get out of Metroid Prime games or Metroid games in general. But just like all the little like hidden like cubbies that you can walk to and find like all these hidden items, the items that typically have like at least some value that like help you. It's like it's like collecting like stuff like boot like boosting your like you have like you can boost your armor, your weapons, blah blah blah, like all of it. It just all reminds me of Metroid. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm really enjoying it. I, when I got my the first like little thing out of the elite guard guy that like lets you upgrade your stuff, I, I said out loud, "Well, at least Shane's fucking happy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it is like I wouldn't have thought, you know, because I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to this game in pre well, they didn't, release, and they didn't, they didn't talk about give the campaign any information anyway. About the campaign, like, and I was really surprised to see all this a all this like upgrade stuff you can do, like both both in terms of you can upgrade the suit and you can upgrade your your character in terms of, like the art, you know, the 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 argent. Uh, cells, yeah. like, and you can upgrade your actual base stats, yep. and then you can upgrade your weapons. And like the, way crazy. You, the way you upgrade your weapons is by like accomplishing like objectives and accomplishing like bonus stuff and like finding secrets and get you know and making progress and killing a lot of enemies. It's like you're constantly working towards something that's going to benefit you, and it, like nothing. There's no wasted steps in the game. Yeah. And then on top of that. Like, all the collectible stuff is actually really cool. And, like, you unlock, like, really interesting things. And you can find, like, little sections of classic Doom map. Like, you know, full-on, like, 90s. Everything's a sprite yeah. recreated with the music, with everything. Yep. And there's, like, little, you know, it's it's really cool. It's, like, I'm going through the game and picking up all the collectible. You know, I'll play a level, and I'll go back, load the level again, and pick up all the collectibles uh, that I missed, or like look through a guide if I really can't find something, and I'm having a great time doing. It. I never have a great time going back and finding collectibles, but What's they because, all unlock interesting stuff. Right, what you're and getting. And sometimes he fist bumps the little toy you find. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Well, what so you're getting, lot, it's like, so much matters. Personality. Because when you finish a level, it gives you like a count of everything you've collected, mm -hmm. and then that, all that gets calculated into upgrading yeah so even just like the little trinkets or whatever like you have to collect like typically like three per level mm -hmm. like and you have like these little like conditions or whatever and if you meet those then you have more points to upgrade your character mm -hmm. and again metroid the suit that you're wearing is very metroid like right. you're looking out through the visor helmet like and it makes it worthwhile going back again once you get those upgrades too because like now those things that were hard like you said are easy. Yeah. And you get to feel your your progression. Well, it's like the heavy machine gun has, like, that mod that you eventually get that shoots, like, the five-missile cluster. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's totally freaking Metroid. Like, I love it. Like, I would love to interview these guys and ask them, like, mm -hmm. like, hey, like, was this, like, a nod to, like, Metroid? Because no, I definitely see to it. me, it's, like, obvious. And the real kicker, though, is the map. Because it has, like, this 3D-modeled map that you can spin around. You have to, like, flip it up and side down to find, like, all the hidden, like, little areas in the game. There's all these little secrets. Like, there's times where I've just, like, seen this, like, edge that just dropped off into literally the, the abyss because you're in hell. It is mm. the definition of the abyss. And you look over the edge, and there's a little platform down there. <laughs> and you're like, those bastards! They put this little, like, who's going to look up? But I did. And then you drop down, and, like, next thing you know, you're finding, like, some huge, like, power-up that mm -hmm. makes your next battle, like, way easier. Like, 
We haven't even talked about just the gunplay yet, which is what mm. every, all the reviews are talking about, the gunplay. and the fa- It's like they're missing, to me, in a lot of cases, like the best shit about this game. Mm. Like, like the gunplay is solid, but to me the appeal is that like, I'm really enjoying going through the environments, finding all the weird little things, you know, the clever ways they hide secret rooms, or like seeing, you know, seeing that power up through the gated wall. Yeah, and like, totally okay, and, you're, and you're like, how do I get to that? Like, there's like, one, yeah. there one power-up I found. It was, like, behind this grate, and it, I'm like, how do I roll into the ball? Because mm-hmm. it looked like I needed to roll into the ball and, like, go up through a tube and, like, come out through the grate to, like, get the power-up. Like, it is total Metroid. Like, if you're watching or listening to this show and you're a big Metroid fan you haven't bought Doom yet, go get it. Like, you're going to yeah. like this game. I guarantee it. Um, the gunplay itself, to me, fast, furious. It gets repetitive after mm-hmm. a while. I think, you know, I pretty much use the shotgun the whole way through this game. Same. I'm, I'm shotgun pistol unless I'm forced to switch. Yeah, much. I mean, everyone... If Although I, fighting... I feel like I've been neglecting the plasma rifle, and, like, that that gun has saved my ass a couple of times. I've used it, like, once. Like, it gives you the stats for everything, too. Mm. It shows you how many enemies you kill with, like, each weapon, like... And I've literally used that, like... I think I've killed, like, eight enemies with that weapon. I'm, pr- I'm probably about the same, but those eight enemies were real dangerous. Yeah. That's what I tend to use, like, the other weapons, is whenever I'm yeah. in, like, a boss fight. Like, I'll pull out, like, the heavy assault rifle mm-hmm. with the rocket cluster and use the rocket cluster on them. And never use it again. That way, when I fight the boss again, I've got the, all the ammo for it again. Yeah. But I also find that, like, I learn the basic, en- the various enemy types. Like, you know, a guy will show up and I'm just like, oh, that guy's really hard to deal with. And I'll yeah. shotgun him just to get him out of my way. And after a while, I'll learn enough. That I'll switch. I'm like, maybe I can deal with this guy with a pistol, and then like, then the pistol becomes my default weapon for this guy that I used to be yeah. afraid of, and like, that's a progression too that you can learn these yeah. these enemies and, and learn how to deal with them, and it and it works that way. The other thing I really like about this game is the whole tug of war with ammo and health. Mm-hmm. So I'm always running out of ammo in this game. I don't know about you. I run out of shotgun shells. Yeah, a lot. all the time, yeah. and. You know, it's a tough game. Like, you can die pretty easily if you don't move. You literally have to move at all times. Mm -hmm. If you stop, you die. Because it just allows the mobs to just converge on you. But the way, like, the health and the ammo system in this game works is, like, you can pull off what's called glory kills. And basically, they're just melee finishers. Mm -hmm. And everything else stops. Like, you're... You're invulnerable while you're doing them so the other enemies can't hurt you or whatever. But when you do that, you get a much bigger supply of health or mm-hmm. ammo. They automatically drop health when, Always, when you yeah. do it. So, And then sometimes it's like a, it's like you hit the jackpot. And oh, yeah. Spit everything. Spit it out like well, yeah, if your spit health out ammo. Is low, if yeah. your health is low, it'll give you more. But then on the flip side of that is if you use the chainsaw. So if you're mm-hmm. low on ammo... What I do is I switch to the chainsaw because if you use the chainsaw to finish mm. off enemies, it spits out a ton of ammo. Yeah. So it's like this tug of war. If you like switching through your weapons, like depending on what you need, do I need ammo? Do mm. I need health? And and you also that means you never end up in that classic you know '90s shooter situation where it's like, well, you got a hard thing coming up, but you're out of ammo. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing you can do about it. You know, it's like you could you could get stuck in games. Know, yeah. In where old, you're just screwed games. if you get yeah. like an auto save at the wrong time and there's no ammo mm. around. I mean, there's lots of times in this game still. We're off oh, yeah, to run get, yeah. way back through the level to find like a couple crates I passed but over. But it puts it like those systems put it much more in your control. Like it becomes a resource balance that you can kind of manage a much easier yeah. than like not as opposed to being at the level designer's mercy. Yeah. Criticisms. Do you have any? Um, it doesn't support SLI, uh, which is annoying. Um, it runs. I mean, it and runs. Odd. It runs beautifully. Or Doom, yeah. by the way. <laughs> it, I mean, it runs beautifully, like on the single card. I mean, it's I you know, 
1440, 60 frames, no problem, no drop, no nothing. But like, if I turn it off, um, if I turn the, the V-Sync off, I get like, I get anywhere between like 120 and like 80. And it just like, it like you know, there's no, it's not playable because it varies so much. But I'm like, if you let me use SLI, I bet I, I bet I could get 120, like locked, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a, I'm a little frustrated on that, but that's 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 like first world problems times 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. I haven't played the multiplayer because I don't care, um, uh, so I don't know if there's some issues there. But uh, as far as the campaign so far, um, I have literally no complaints. I think the pacing or the the rate at which they give you new enemies is way too slow. Like I mm. feel like I'm fighting the same guys over and over for like way too long. I can see that before they finally toss in like a I, new enemy into the mix. I think I don't have any any enemies I dislike fighting, so that yeah. hasn't bothered me very much. But I think I I see what you're saying. Yeah, you, you don't get introduced to new enemies very very often. Yeah, it takes a long time before you meet a new guy. And like I said, what I do like about it though is that that guy who is initially really intimidating and yeah. hard to topple eventually becomes just. A part yeah. of the- and I like that the new guy is, a, you know, the new guy is inevitably uh, a bigger challenge. It changes the flow of the combat when there's mixed enemies around, and it also changes your focus. Where like, now you got to focus on that one. You know, all else doesn't matter. And like, and, you know, these enemies that used to be your big problem, now you're just like, I'm just gonna pick your asses off so I can focus on this one guy that I don't know how to deal with yet. Yeah, there's a lot of strategy to it. Like, fi- like figuring out which enemies you want to take out first. And mm-hmm. you're right. Like, typically what I do is like I take out like. The mid-range danger guys, like the little guys I leave running around, because mm-hmm. you can typically take them out with a one-shot. So when a big like arena battle starts, I go for the mid-range guys, like the guys who shoot like the lasers, because mm-hmm. they can. Well, take I leave the little health. guys for like you know you, health, quick three health, and also a quick three shots, and you can uh, glory kill them, right. which can get you out of some you know you're because right. you're invincible when that happens. Like oh I can't I don't have time to dodge this guy I'm just gonna glory kill so his shot goes right through me. I just love that whole management part of the game. Yeah. Like it's really genius. Like yeah. the way they. And I never it. thought I'd be doing it in Doom. I know it's insane. <laughs> it's like, like, it really is yeah. crazy. Like it is the probably the most pleasant surprise mm-hmm. of 2016 so far. Yeah. That's a that's that's a long way from Doom Three. It really is, and uh, multiplayer like people are really ragging on the multiplayer. I actually enjoy the multiplayer. Like. It's not great. It's not gonna, something that's going to hook me for... Mm-hmm. But it's a 90 shooter, Circle Strafer. Like, who is going to expect a game like that to hold your attention for a year in 2016? Like, it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. But what they have to work with... Like, I have fun with it for a short period of time. Like, it's fun to play something yeah. different after a I've while. Ne- I never got, like, you know, really sucked into, like, Doom or Quake multiplayer uh, back in the day. And, like, I can... You know, I'm sure I'll try it. It's You know, I, I, can, I definitely can... I've been playing it, and I was like... This is probably pretty pl- fun to play against other people, you know, because there's yeah. so much weird stuff. Once you see more of the the weapons and their alternate modes and kind of like, you know, oh, I bet that's cool. And then like, you know, like a multiplayer thing where you're... Because every once in a while you hit that point where it's like, well, I wish these guys were smarter. Yeah. Because, like, there'd be more reason to use these weapons to their yeah. full extent. I mean, they basically just run after you. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not especially smart, they're, they're but when demons. you have, like, I mean, 50 of them, yeah, they're yeah. demons. <laughs> When you have like 50 of them coming at you at once, you don't really care how smart they are. You're like, please run into that wall. Like, (laughs) give a brother some help here. Um, Graphics. What do you think about the graphics? Really nice. Not up to not not as good as Uncharted. Oh, it's not even Um, the same league as Uncharted. I mean, everything's a little a little plasticky. It's blurry. Lots Uh, of blurry textures. 
Yeah, the textures are, and I think um, it could have benefited. I'm gonna let's let's go real. Let's go digital foundry on them here. Yeah. I think the shadows should have been downsampled. Yeah. I think they could have stood to because because I find the shadows to be a little, and this might just be playing at a really high resolution with everything like max to ultra, right. but like the You're shadows right. just aren't really keeping up with the way the rest of the game looks to me. Yeah, and it's—I mean—that is like a nitpick to end all nitpicks. I don't care. Well, you're playing the PC version. I'm yeah. playing the PS4 version. And uh, the first thing I would say is the first like hour I played this game, I was a little queasy. Really? I haven't got motion sickness from games in a long time. I feel like I had to adjust to it. I haven't played a game that plays like—I mean, it's like lightning. It's fast. lightning fast, but I it mean, is butter smooth. It is. I mean, there's no hitches. It's not like it was like a hitching frame rate that yeah. made me not. It was the speed. Like, literally, it was just throwing off my equilibrium. Mm. Maybe I'm sitting too close to, like, my TV. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I sit... When I play my PC, I, I have a 40-inch monitor that I sit about as far away as I am from you. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I almost have to turn my head to see the sides. Yeah. So, uh, it didn't bother me. I mean, I don't know. I don't get nauseous, though, for anything. I never have. Like, why well, I have. I got sick with, like, Jaws Unleashed. Like, there's been, like, two or three games throughout all my game playing mm. that made me nauseous. But, literally, the first... It was just the first hour. Like, the first hour I played this, I just felt a little off. Hmm. And then it, I felt like my, I don't know, my eyes or my mind caught up with and it, and I was fine after yeah. that. Even, like, I, I quit playing on the first day, came back, like, a day later, and I was fine. Well, it was literally people just, say like, that like, first it's hour. A, like, if that happens, you should adjust the field of view. That could be. That can help. But I'm playing on a 65 But you actually TV, can. Uh, I'm about seven feet away from it. So it's I'm nice free. that you actually can adjust that on the console version. Yeah. A lot of times console versions, the shooters don't have that option. It's true. Um, but yeah, on PlayStation 4, the textures are pretty blurry. But here's what I would say about this game is what you're seeing with Doom is pretty much the ideal game for this hardware cycle. Mm. Because, I mean, look. At least if you want to run it at 60 frames per second, this is as good as games are going to look. Mm -hmm. It's the reason Uncharted runs at 30. Even though they're wizards, that naughty dog, and the game looks gorgeous, if you want to run a game at 60 frames per second, this is probably yeah. about as good as it's going to look. And that's it's and pretty, it's good. pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of enemies. There's a lot of particles flying around. I mean, you don't, you don't look at this and be like, oh, they cut graphical bells and whistles to get it to 60. Like, it doesn't, you know, it, yeah. it looks really good. What do you think? Here's another complaint I have. The challenge rooms. Like, some of them are easy as crap. Mm -hmm. But then the sum of them where you have to, like, kill, like, X number of enemies in, like, a set amount of time. Have you done those? Mm, I haven't done a timed one yet. Oh, man. It's so... And, look, they're optional. But yeah. they put them, like, right in front of your face and offer huge rewards for them. So you, I inevitably try them until I give up or pass them. But, yeah, there's, like, kill 30 imps... And, like, every time you kill one, you gain two seconds type thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, the way they lay out the enemies in those challenge rooms, it's like they're not in a row. Like, it's a nitpick. That's the point where I'm at with this game. Like, well, I'm nitpicking yeah. it. It's well, not, no, like, major issues. What, yeah. Get good. Get good. <laughs> it's not even about... This isn't about being good. It's like figuring out, like, the string of enemies where they go through the level to make mm -hmm. sure that you can keep killing one every two seconds. Mm -hmm. And, like, they'll See, get... that's you... like Bullet Storm. I don't care. It is a little bit like Bullet Storm. You're right. But they're rewards. You want them. I want the, them. But the loot. I'm surprised you haven't done any of them. There are I'm, some that are, like, really I really, I was mostly kind of burning through because I only had very little time to play, like, last night and, night and, like, two nights before. Gotcha. So I was just kind of trying to burn through it so I'd have, like, some knowledge to deal with on the show today. Yeah. I mean, innovation-wise, there's probably nothing all that innovative about the game. 
No. But I, I mean, feel like it pros- It's innovative in that it takes, like, the feel of those old games and makes it feel modern. Yeah. You know, it, it, I don't feel like I'm playing a retro game, but I do recognize the pedigree yeah. on, a, on a moment-to-moment basis. I mean, you're basically just running in circles the whole time you're playing yeah. it. <laughs> and, but they're smart. Like, the way they design the maps, there's really no... Or the areas, there's no, like, dead ends or anything like that. So it's not like you're, like, circle strafing and you hit a wall and get killed. Like, everything is made cyclical in the game. So you can... It's made for you to run in circles while you're shooting demons. Hmm. Um, the story's retarded. Oh, I said that word again. <laughs> You ableist I guess two weeks in a row I said that word. I feel terrible. I'm sorry once again. But it's really dumb. Like It's doom. Not dumb, it's doom. Here here's what I think. It's like, doom. They should have went and this is the one thing I hate about Resident Evil too. Instead of going like the occult route, they went like the military route. Mm. And like the occult to me is always way more interesting. Like this game is about them mining hell for energy. Well, I'll be fair, infinite thermal energy would be quite the energy revolution. Oh, for sure, but who cares about it when you're playing a video game? Like, how much better would it have been if, like, Satan was in the game and, like, he has, like, this army of, like, arc demons that you're fighting instead of this, like, weird, like, corporation that's, like, trying to mine hell for financial gain. it's always been Doom, though. I mean, Doom, what little story the original had was basically like, yeah, the military opened the portal to hell and now there's fucking demons trying to kill you. You better go kill them back. Right, and you could totally use that same premise and have it be more occultish instead of what we're getting here. I mean, look, I don't think anyone's buying Doom hoping for an enriching narrative experience, but... Although the guy who, like, is your... uh... Like, your main kind of contact... Uh, it's Optimus Prime, isn't a, it? No, but he does a good impression. It's not him. No. I thought him. it was. It no. sounds exactly sounds like him. It sounds a lot like him. Yeah. But it's not him. I, I know Peter Cullen's voice, like, the back of my hand. It's yeah. not him. I looked him up, actually, because I'm like, who's this guy doing a really good Optimus like Prime impression? Uh, I've never heard of him. He's been in several games. Uh, he was... Uh, he's the, the emperor in um, the new SWOTOR, ex- the older public expansion, like, the bearded... Like outer, yeah, you know, yeah. outer the galaxy guy that was in the that. CG trailers. Uh, he's that guy, uh, Borkasian or something is his name, and he's a couple. He's like he, I think he's Gilgrunt in Skylanders or something like, that, or maybe Jetvac in Skylanders. He's like he's just like little like side roles and minor roles that you would like need a guy with a deep voice for, but you wouldn't really remember who he was. But like yeah. if Peter Cullen retires, like I they think got, we know who to call. Man. Yeah. yeah, he's really. I thought it was him. Like. No. I obviously don't know it as well as you, but it sounded ex- like it sounded like him mm. trying to not sound exactly like him. Right, and I know that that's he, why I thought it was him. I know that he doesn't do that, yeah. and also like if you pay for Peter Cullen, you want Peter. He didn't yeah, sound yeah, like Peter I Cullen. Guess you're right. So I figured like, oh, this this is a guy who's real close. But I looked him up, and uh, I like. I mean, I like his performance. I, I would I would would cast again. Yeah. So who would you recommend Doom format? Um. Anyone willing to point a mouse at something's head? Frankly, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's you know, if you if you got like the fast twitch reflexes for shooters, and you especially if you liked old '90s shooters, when you and you miss the complexity of their level design, I think this will make you happy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's for I don't think it's the type of game where I hate someone who says I hate first person shooters. Yeah, it's not going to change it. your mind yeah. on that. It's not one of those kind of games. It but is if you, but different if you, though. Yeah, it is different, but it's also kind of different because. Shooters have gotten so homogenous. Yeah. So I would say if you if you haven't played shooters in a while because you feel like they all kind of became the same and they're boring and they're cutscene fests and they're linear, like try Doom. Like really, like it. 
I, mean, I, I was super skeptical, and Doom I'm like... Doom is linear, though. I mean, it's not... I mean, the, yeah, but there's, there's little branching paths that go off, but it's still a well, I mean, checkpoint-driven experience. Even in the old games, you still ended up at the same exit, but it's like yeah. the, the, the map flowered out into all these hallways and stuff, yeah. and this one does that, too. Yeah. Um, the only real difference is you get a cutscene at the beginning and the end, basically, yeah. you know, or a little dialogue sequence. Um, and, like, it's, just, it's refreshing to see... A, uh, basically, it's refreshing to play a first-person shooter that doesn't think I'm stupid. Yeah, and I would agree with Matt. Uh, I think anybody who is, who maybe bought like Modern Warfare Two, and that was like the last Call of Duty you bought because you felt like it was all feeling the same, and shooters were all becoming the same. Somebody who likes shooters but has fallen out of love with shooters, that's who I would recommend this game to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're both in agreement. Mm-hmm. We both are enjoying it. Um, I don't think you'd be disappointed if you buy it, yeah. even at full price. So. It's pretty lengthy. I was pleasantly I mean, I've, surprised. I've spent about 15 hours playing it already on the campaign, and I haven't finished it yet. So it's not a short game. And maybe it might be a little longer than it needs to be. I'll, I'm interested mm. to get your opinion like once you get to the end. Mm. Um, My metric for longer than it needs to be in first-person shooters tends to be Unreal 1. Yeah. And nothing has ever come close to yeah. that ever <laughs> again. And it never will. That was about half a game too much. I mean, I think there is a reason that a lot of campaigns and shooters are around, like, 8 to 10 hours long. Yeah, you can only sustain that for so long. typically, around that point, you kind of are like, okay, I get it. And, you know, the progression in this game does help it stay fresh for a little longer. But for me, it took it from the 8 to 10 hour range to, like, the 10 to 12 hour mm-hmm. range. And it's about 15 hours. So... The last act does kind of drag along, but... Uh, Did you have any, like, difficulty spikes in it or anything? That you? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I came to boss fights where I had to fight them, you know, five to ten times mm. before I got past them, eventually. Mm. I didn't have any... I don't the... run into anything like that, but I've heard from some other people that's like, yeah, you went, like, you'll hit some stuff that's like, whoa. Well, it's like I was just telling you, like, the first fight that I remembered having problems with was the when I... The big fat guy. The big fat guy, mm. yeah. As soon as you see that big fat guy... Get ready. Yeah. Because yeah. you see him, and you're like, oh, it's a boss... And then you destroy him, and you're like, yeah! And then, like, a whole room just floods with more enemies. You're just like, no! <laughs> but uh, but I love that. Like, it, that feeling, that unpredictability about it. Yeah. yeah. So, when you see the fat guy, all right. don't blow all your ammo Don't use all the ammo. Got it. Because that's what I did. I just unloaded on him. I'm like, he's the boss. Like, he's protecting this person I need to kill. And I just, un- like, I started using the weapons I never used. Like, the mm. ones that I just, I had stocked with ammo for the bosses. And I just unloaded on him. And he went down. I was like, you're nothing. And then, yeah. I was like, no! <laughs> yeah, that's the nightmare scenario. And then I died in about five seconds and started again. So, yeah, there's definitely a couple points in the game where, and you want that, though. You don't want to just breeze through the whole game. You want parts that are a little challenging. And it, I think it does a good job of kind of sprinkling those in. So, let's move on. Enough about Doom and Hell. Next, we're going to talk about Uncharted 4. Well, mm-hmm. not really. Sort of. We're going to talk about review culture and the metacritic culture and the game rankings culture kerfuffles uh, kerfuffle as i put on the rundown Written on the run of kerfuffle yeah <laughs> so what happened this week is a bunch of and look i'm just gonna be blunt a bunch of playstation fanboys or fangirls got bent out of shape because a critic from the washington post reviewed uncharted 4 and gave it a highly unfavorable review um i didn't know at first if they don't, this guy does not assign numbers to his reviews. Right. So Metacritic has gone on record before and game rankings saying that, you know, for outlets that don't provide a score, we read it and we try to assign a score to it. So at first I assume that's what happened here. It turns out that was not the case, that they reached out to the Washington Post, 
The Washington Post then said, give it a 4 out of 10. So mm -hmm. this guy from the Washington Post gives Uncharted 4 a 4 out of 10. It drops the Metacritic average of Uncharted 4 by one-tenth of a point hmm. from, I believe, a 9.4 to a 9.3, and the PlayStation fanboys just weren't having it and started Which I think is because, doesn't Metacritic, if I remember right, Metacritic drops, like, the bottom and top scores. I, you know what, that because is Because a 4.0 thrown into that average should drag it down more than a tenth of a point. Well, but. I think there's probably, like, 300 reviews for Uncharted. Yeah, then. I still, I, I don't know, I didn't look at the, the, the numbers too close, but, like... Because typically the number of reviews on Metacritic and game rankings are, dire are directly proportional to the hype level. Look, I don't remember. How, I don't remember when we were negotiating with Metacritic all the details about it, but we had a lot of trouble. I remember that. Just for the record, by the way, Sifted does not submit its game eval scores to Metacritic or. You'd never rankings. be able to convert them properly to the. Well, I, we, well, we had the problem where, like, uh, on on Xplay, where like our three out of fives were being tr turned into sixties. Yeah. In, in, you know, that's and, what they do for everybody. And that is not scale. And that is not what a three out of five means. Uh, at least certainly wasn't. It's actually was. more of like a seven point five yeah. on the seven to ten scale. Right. I mean, because that, that's what a you know a one almost a one was almost like anything like below a fifty. Who cares? Right. You know, like it's terrible. Don't play it. You know, because that's just how the ratings work in this industry. Because yeah. it's all a lot of it's based around school grades. Now get, look, one angle I could see is if hey, you're a big fan of Naughty Dog. And it's put out this game, and this one review drops it down to like a six point nine from a seven, or if it or if it drops it out of the nine range. I guess. I mean, that's I, I thought originally. I thought like, oh, that review must have dropped it from like a nine point oh to an oh, eight point no. nine no. or something, or an oh, eight point no. eight. And it was no. It was just like it's just like it's not pristine enough in the nine range. I'm just like and like. Look, if you're not a developer getting a bonus off of the Metacritic score, who cares? Yeah, well, that was about what I was getting at, is that, you know, the reason that maybe you should care about this and why, you know, I would have cared or thought that they, it was deserved, this whole kerfuffle, is if it dropped the score to a point where Naughty Dog, if it were working on a royalty system, mm -hmm. would have lost its bonus. But that's not the case at all. Right. Like, this is basically just a pissing contest. It's just cheerleading. For, for fanboys. They're like, oh, you know, our exclusive, our best exclusive mm -hmm. for PlayStation 4 is getting dropped by a 10. So there's the potential that an exclusive for Xbox One could come along and right. might top. Where do people get this way of thinking, Matt? I don't know. I just... I think it's because they don't follow sports, so they have to root for this. <laughs> Could um, be. I don't get, I mean, look, I read that, I read the Washington Post review, uh, and even as someone who's not particularly impressed by Uncharted 4 beyond the graphics, um, A, the review was really kind of silly, I yeah. thought. It was, it was negative in a, in a way that I'm just like, there's nothing about Uncharted that's broken enough to warrant that kind of vitriol. Yeah. And also, like, it doesn't, the review didn't read like a 4 out of 10 to me, really. Yeah. It, it felt, I mean, it felt like maybe a 6. Yeah. You know, but if, like 4 out of 10 seemed pretty extreme. See, that's why at first I really thought that Metacritic had done That's the what score I would have assignment. thought too, because like I'm, I'm like, oh, another Metacritic, like he, Meta Metacritic arbitrary score assignment. Like it's, I mean, look, a lot of the criticisms that he mentions, a lot of outlets have mentioned those same criticisms. Yeah. He just was less tolerant of right. those issues than other editors, which is totally fair. Like, I don't begrudge yeah, the I didn't guy. see anything in there that I thought was like, oh, well, you're wrong. Right. I just thought like, well, you're being kind of like, sensitive about yeah. all these like little you know little detail problems but like you know i mean a lot of it was right but at the same time i'm like 
I don't I don't think like a four out of ten is a defensible score for that game. Yeah, it's you hard. Know? To I mean, I know everyone's everyone's opinion is different and yada yada yada, but like a four out of ten for that. I've played some four out of tens and yeah, Uncharted. Even it's worst Uncharted. Even if I hated that kind of game, I don't see myself giving it that. That's a tough. That's tough to defend. A four yeah. out of ten, especially if. And I'm sure all the fanboys did this. Went back and looked at like all his prior reviews. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about his history. But so, let's get back to the point of what these people wanted. They wanted Metacritic to remove the review, mm-hmm. and for completely forgetting the fact that this guy has reviewed games for a long time and has scored game. And I'm sure they've done gone through that process where they call him and say. Or email him and say, well, what's the score you want us to give mm-hmm. this? He's done it for all these other games. So, in all honesty, these people trying to be fair is actually, they're actually making everything unfair because right. all these other games. Well, I certainly better, I hope I never see any of the people wanting that review removed, like complaining about like Nintendo removing cleavage from something. Right, yeah. Because, like, <laughs> guess what? What you're doing is literally censorship. It is, yeah. Like, you are trying to silence this dissenting voice. And yeah, real censorship involves a government entity that's going to throw right. him in jail if he doesn't take the... That's the dictionary you know, definition. Throw, or throw you in jail if you give Uncharted 4 a bad review. <laughs> that's the definition of... of you Insanity. Know, in, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Once this generation gets to be president... Who knows? <laughs> Uncharted 7 is going to do real well. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's just... I this. It's just more cheerful. You know, it's like people compete, comparing console sales numbers versus the thing they bought versus some, what's something someone else bought. It's just, but it's not fair to the other games that this guy's evaluated. Like no. these other games had to suffer his wrath. And just <laughs> seriously though, yeah. and like now you're just going to cherry pick this one because you're saying it's not fair. What you're, you're saying it's not fair for Uncharted to be reviewed by this guy, but you're basically saying screw every other game that this guy reviewed. Yeah, but I mean, it's like Naughty Dog games inspire this weird fervor. Yeah. That like you know, and I get because they're presentationally pristine. That like there's yeah. there's that element of like you know how can you not understand that this is like what games should be driving for it? You know, there's a, I mean like Last of Us. There were people like there were people that were saying that like you know if you didn't if an outlet didn't give Last of Us Game of the Year, they should be banned from like <laughs> forums. Like like that like NeoGaf should like you know they NeoGaf can ban sites from like you know, so if you try to like link to them like it stars out yeah. the URLs. Like people are saying like if, if if any outlet that didn't give Last of Us Game of the Year should be banned and just starred out because you don't need to know what they say. They're I don't agree wrong. with with banning publications. Well, of course, like well that. no, I don't I don't either, but like in terms of like, usually they use that for like this is a bullshit site that posts like false rumors and like yeah. doesn't fact check anything. But I think I remember them doing arguments. that to like joystick at one they point. They did do that to joystick at one point, but I don't remember why. Um, but I just think it's funny that like that was that was you know Naughty Dog inspires a sort of like they are the they're the naughty gods and you can't touch them and you you know criticizing yeah. them would be wrong and you know I remember uh, there was, uh, when Last of Us came out on the last you know that was the week of E3 and like the last day of E3 I remember having a very hushed conversation with a few other uh, industry people in the corner of a bar <laughs> about like I don't think. Of us is that amazing? Like it's like <laughs> like we were like very careful not to let people hear that. Like, the snipers like, might get us. Like, <laughs> like like 
I don't know. It's just like really slow stealth. But then like then the guys run in front of things and the zombies don't see them. I don't. Yeah. And like and all the crafting is just sort of like miming, grabbing stuff, and it's all gears. And somebody take gears and make a shotgun out of. It. I don't get it. You know? Yeah. And like, I feel like I've done it all before. And like and like people go, oh, you talking about Last of Us? Right? Like, yeah, it's amazing. It's awesome. Oh, wow. Game. Wow. I blew my mind. Mushroom zombies. Who knew? You know? And like it, it, it took a while before you could kind of like openly say like yeah I, I liked it a lot but yeah. I didn't think it was like you know the transcendent experience that apparently you're supposed to well think I think of it just as. like Uncharted like it's driven by its visuals yeah. and its atmosphere and its story like the story in that game was great like yeah. I really got attached to the characters and the writing was good and the voice acting was amazing and but everything but I rem- gameplay wise like right. everything game. I remember about Last of Us that I, I remember thinking was was awesome is all story it's yeah. all character no, it's all right. relationship yeah um and then the things I remember about the gameplay is like wow it, you you went through like you cross the entire country almost, and you you never taught her to swim. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. you just hope there'd be forklift pallets at every deep body of water <laughs> you ran into. That's very convenient for you. But I honestly, when I think about the gameplay, like I just literally think about the AI quirks. Yeah. Like me biting my nails, scared to death that they're gonna detect <laughs> me, and then her running out and going, "Hey, what's going on?" And you're just like, it's like hey, Joel, like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, no, stop. And then they're just like, like, they don't even see her. Like, that to me, like, pulled me way out of that game. Yeah, well, that's like, and I it think, happens in Uncharted as yeah, well. Yeah, we talked like, about Uncharted. It's like you, you get to a level of detail and finesse and presentational polish that, like, the weird little things you would overlook in a, in a less polished game, yeah. like, stick out like a sore thumb. I don't even think that's little. I mean, if you're talking about a stealth game, to have, like, mm. this character running out in the wide open in front of everybody, like, that's not small to me, but I don't know. Anyway, we're getting off course here yeah. a little bit, but uh, but it all ties into the whole like you know there's there's certain games you're not allowed to criticize. Yeah, you're right. Without some kind of backlash or reaction. Bloodborne. Yeah, yeah. The Souls games are 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 out there. Yeah, Bloodborne. I mean, I caught so much crap for not liking Bloodborne. Like when we first launched this show, like you one of the do. first. I still do get it. It's like insane. You get it from me. I just I just you still I just say judge it. you silently. <laughs> But this I'm, right. I'm gonna win the fantasy thing, and then we're gonna you're gonna you're gonna live it. <laughs> oh, I don't want to. You're gonna live it. I thought it was Dark Souls three, not Bloodborne. Sure, whatever. I can pick one of those. Pick whatever you want. <laughs> I I maintain all you have to do is make it through one of them, and you'll get it. It'll click. I, I don't. I disagree with that. I think it's gonna be torture the whole time, but it it will be. But, but I'm glad but I get to pick it. But you'll love it at the end. Trust uh, me. I don't know. But anyway, I'm glad I get to pick between one of those two. That makes I, me I feel a little three, better. I think you pick three or Bloodborne. I mean, I like Bloodborne better than any of the Souls games, so uh, I would not deny you Bloodborne. Okay. If well, that's the one you want to play. The problem is Brent, our site engineer, is already doing like a being punished playing Bloodborne mm-hmm. video series, so maybe uh, I should do Dark Souls then. Well, we'll take a vote from, yeah. from people. I'll put up a poll. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll do day. a poll, and, and people can decide which one you have to play. Because the fantasy And the game. really mean ones will vote for Demon Souls. That's not going to be an option on the poll. <laughs> That's, that will not be an option on the poll. That's too janky. I don't want to have to play the jank fest. You know what? I went back and played Demon's Souls a couple weeks ago, and I like, got through like four hours without dying. Like Once you understand the systems and how the games work, like it's... Yeah. It all comes together. It all gels, and you feel awesome. For you. Not me. See, but I would have said that same thing before I had to go through Dark Souls 2 for the review I right. was paid to do. Yeah. And there were points in that Dark Souls 2 review, I was like, I can't. I'm not going to be able to. This is bullshit. I can't. I hate this game. I'm not going to do it. And I, finally, I came out the other side of it, man. Okay. I, I did. I really. I'm, I was right there with you for two games, and then Dark Souls 2 turned me around. And like Dark Souls 2 isn't even one of the better ones. Because this is going to happen, by the way. Like, I am losing the fantasy. You are losing the fantasy. Yeah, it is over. So, 
<laughs> I'm just trying to build up my fortitude for it right now. Like you're gonna need some time travel and some some server sabotage to to change this one. Like you're gonna have to prevent Uncharted from coming out or something. Yeah. But can we both agree that this whole petition thing is just ridiculous? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't think it was ever gonna happen. I mean, even though there was some, there was some, I think Troy Baker retweeted the petition. Oh, that is that point. was. I was shocked by that, man. Come on, Troy Baker. I mean, like, I have to think he was screwing around there. I mean, he knows that's not gonna happen, right? Well, I think he knows it's not gonna happen but i think he was like behind the whole idea mm. of like taking the review. probably more sympathetic than unsympathetic you know? yeah that was bad look Troy Baker. <laughs> really bad look man but you, but see you, that's you what happens you like, can't stay mad at troy baker that's what happens though when people who aren't necessarily like in the industry get mm. swept up in one of those like meta like fanboy things they're just like yeah that's my <laughs> game and like no that's no, it's not. Yeah, just stay away from those people. But yeah, so nine point three. <laughs> well, I remember our uh, Metal Gear Solid Four review at Game Trailers. Mm. Justin Spear, I believe, wrote it, and uh, there was like this huge uproar over it getting like a nine point four instead of a nine point five, and it was so bad that a Penny Arcade comic was created about it. Wow! And it's like the comic is like literally like the number four with like eyeballs on it. Hmm. Like a rare like character with like a three, I think. I think it was a nine point four or nine point three, and they're like talking to each other about how they're the same. Really, they're right next to each <laughs> other, but these but fanboys think that they're so different. It's a great comic, anyway. Maybe I'll flash it up on the screen on the archive or, or whatever because I did get like if Penny Arcade sent us like prints of it, <laughs> like full prints for to like frame or whatever, which is really awesome. Because we got put through the shredder for like one tenth of a decimal point on our review, so, and then, you know, people are comparing it to well, you gave this game a nine mm -hmm. point whatever, and you gave it. <sighs> anyway, so time to move on. But yeah, I think we can both agree it's just idiocy and yeah, and good on Metacritic for not taking it out. And if they haven't, hopefully they haven't. Oh, I, I'm, if they did, I didn't see it happen. Don't bend to the pressure, Metacritic. Don't do it because all you're gonna do is encourage more people to do dumb crap like this. Yeah. I mean, it's, the other thing is, like, you don't get this opportunity. You don't really see a game very often that has such high ratings and then one out of the All step. the way at the bottom, yeah. yeah. It is really bizarre. That is pretty uh, You know, usually the clustering is a little more even. Yeah. So you you'll, get, Usually you'll have, like, a few outliers. Yeah. It's like, you'll like, oh, get rid of that seven. What about all the other sevens? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, But, like, this one is just so out there. Yeah, just that one guy all the way at the bottom there. Yeah. But you know what? It's if like, his mission was to get clicks, he got He him. got him clicks. I know who he is. No, look, I don't remember his name, but I know yeah. he's that Washington Post guy that gave Uncharted a four. I and mean, I, I, the last time I mentioned, like, which is more than I could say last week, with right? Washington Post was like, yeah, never. That's the other thing is like, it's not even really, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really run to the Washington Post to see what the newest game releases got. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to see what they think of No Man's Sky. But I'm sure there are people that do rely on that guy. Like, yeah. Yeah, everybody has. I mean, like, there is people... that kind of like, you know, tendency, especially for non hardcore or like you know experienced gamer people to like assume that the guy who's writing for the known newspaper is like maybe somehow more reflective of what they might think because yeah. they're also not an enthusiast in the right. same way you know I can, I can see why someone would be worried that like a review in a legitimate paper if you want to call it that um would like hurt the game to some degree but it's like i don't i don't know if it's worth all this. I mean, I, it's funny. Like, if, if it was like a game that I really, really loved, I could, I could see like, man, I wish they didn't count that review in the Metacritic score because it sucks. But like, I don't think I would get so far as actually making the change.org petition. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like my like 
the fact that I'm like an adult would catch myself. When you had this like create an account on change.org, that's where the rational person stops and says, what am I doing? That's where moment of clarity would kick in for most of us. When you're waiting for that confirmation email to come so you can sign up. But who knows? Like, you know, when his four out out of ten comes along for No Man's Sky, maybe I'll be on there. Maybe I'll be ready for it. I mean, the thing is, is like, as a critic, you need to stay consistent. That's really what it is. And that's how you build trust with your audience. It's Mm -hmm. like, as long as you... As long as people know yeah. what to expect from you, yeah. So it doesn't matter. It's like it's like, look, uh, X Men Apocalypse is getting some pretty bad reviews, pretty middling reviews. I'm not enthusiastic, and the, and the funny thing is, the nail in the coffin for X Men for me at this point is that the San Francisco Chronicle critic Mick LaSalle, who I grew up reading, yeah. loved it, oh, and boy. he hates all great pop culture movies. He hates popcorn stuff and blockbusters and all that stuff. And and if he likes something, like look out. Like, cause something's wrong, and I'm like, oh no, he he gave it like a four out of five. Like that means it's really bad. You know, like Michael Sal loved it. It's like, but see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, but like that's still useful information to me, even though he gave it a bad, a good, or if he gives something a bad review, I'm just like, oh, I gotta see that. Because Michael hates it. And that's what I'm saying. Like, as long as this guy is consistent and, say, for instance, he nailed The Last of Us to the wall for the same things, like, that's what his audience wants. They want a critic Mm -hmm. that they can rely on. So when he says it's good, they know what good means to that person. To them, combined to that, yeah. Right. Just like Armand White. Yeah. I don't know who Armand White is. Armand White is a guy whose taste in film is so weird that people think he might be a troll. (laughs) Like, he he does, he gives really high scores to the Transformers movies and, like, okay. And, like, um, I know not to read him now. Defends them as, like, like, works of subversive art that, like, so he's on the Michael Bay payroll, basically. Maybe, or he just thinks. Uh, the great thing about the Michael Bay's movies is they are so like blankly nihilistic in terms of their worldview that you can kind of it's like looking at a Rorschach blot. You can kind of like project whatever you want on them. Right. So there's like people that have come up with this whole elaborate theory that the Transformers movies are actually criticisms of Michael Bay's own style of film because he's like <laughs> tired of making these big enormous like loud blockbusters and so all these Transformers movies are are actually mocking us for even bothering to go see them and by going to see them we have already lost and proven their point there's like I'm talking like pages and pages and pages of like dissertations on this stuff from people that like love like these weird sort of death of the author criticisms and um you know, as long as some you know, some need to some... find more constructive well, yes. ways to spend their time. But as long, again, as long as you know someone's doing that, that can still give you some valuable You're information right. about the work. You're right. All right, let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about something I think you might be pretty excited about. Really? Batman Asylum games? Oh, I didn't remaster. I didn't think that was what was next. Oh, it's not actually. <laughs> it's like the third time I've misread like the mm-hmm. uh, the topic list. So next, we're going to talk about something that. Actually, I would think you might be excited about this. Mm. We're talking about Gran Turismo Sport. Uh, we got the first trailer for the game, I guess it was about two, three months ago now. Today was its big blowout. So they released a, the full-on gameplay trailer today. They had a huge live stream. I wanted to get the live stream in for B-roll in the show. Unfortunately, it was two and a half hours long, and I ran out of time downloading it before mm. the show started. So... <laughs> Unfortunately, all we have are the first two trailers. Hopefully you guys don't get too sick of looking at this B-roll. Matt, did you look at the information about Gran Turismo today? No. So, 137 cars, all remodeled, by the way, which mm. has always been a big sticking point with this game. The they, reuse of models, they, yeah. they use models from older games when they couldn't, didn't have the budget or the time or whatever to get around. I mean, you take like 
like 40 man hours to make one car. Like that's a lot of time. Yeah. Um, I think they said 19 tracks mm. in the game with like variants of each one, like different permutations yeah, and combinations. Sounds about right. Um, that's pretty much it. That's yeah. all the information that they gave about this game today. Matt, is Gran Turismo relevant anymore? I don't know. Like, I don't care about it anymore. Like, I used to play it, and like, I just... It took so long between installments. Everything was delayed so long, and some and some of the releases just felt like such like stopgap filler to like keep you. It's like no, it's really coming here. Play this, in, you know, play this little demo standalone thing. But they had like the ace back. Ace, yeah, but like you know, like was it like five took forever, and like it, it and I and then like Forza started to kind of make headway against it. And by Forza three, anyway, I mean, by Forza, <laughs> blew it off the course. Well, yeah, but by Forza three, I'm just like I, that. Like Forza captures the love of cars and driving that I identify with, and Gran Turismo has always had kind of this sterile approach to things. Yep. And I basically switched completely to Forza by three or four, and I've never really, I haven't missed Gran Turismo. They drug their feet with this series and doing a lot of things that other racing games are doing, like damage. Yeah. Well, out of, out of the, the perfectionist time they made thing, up this yeah, like we couldn't possibly model it the way we'd want to model it. And then Forza did it. Yeah. And then they're like, well, wait a minute, why can Microsoft do this and you can't? Well, they also said it was like the vehicle like licenses, they didn't want you to beat up their cars. And like, then like EA came out with Need for Speed with all the same vehicles that you can just destroy. Just, just like, like bend into yeah. like an L shape. <laughs> Although the funny thing is, I do enjoy looking at like Need for Speed where you can see... The car manufacturers all have a different level of damage they'll accept. Yeah, they do. So, like, yeah. like Ferrari will let you just destroy their stuff, whereas Porsche is like, you can ding it up a little bit, but don't like ch- change damage the, the shape. Of yeah, it, don't basically. like damage the frame. Right. Like, so you can damage the panels, but don't like mess with the frame. Whereas yeah. like some of them are just like just rip it up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and um, it's it's I don't I don't miss Gran Turismo, and I, I like I don't know what they could do to get my attention again because like right now I play you know I play Forza when that comes out I play Forza Horizon in the years that doesn't come out and I'm kind of good. Like, well, there's also like games like Project Cars and Drive Club. Oh yeah, Drive Club I like. Um, I mean I know there's people that you know that, that didn't launch too well. It had some rocky early days, but I like it. again Drive Club. Well, it doesn't beat Forza in my book except graphically. Uh, in a lot of ways, um, for, uh, Drive Club like captures the heart and the love. There's, there's, I don't. I mean, it's a very intangible thing. It's kind of, it feels like kind of a vague thing to to hold up as such an important point. But like, like you just can kind of feel that like love of the car in in those games. And Drive Club has that, I think. And Gran Turismo just feels like a bunch of menus. Well, Project Cars, a lot of people think that that's eclipsed even Forza at this point. And there's already a sequel on the way, mm-hmm. and um, it did really well with Refuse. I think it finished mid-8 or high-8 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really good. I mean, I'm invested in Forza. I like their approach, but, like, Project Cars is, is top-notch stuff. I mean, there's that's what I'm saying. Like, there are so many developers that have got better... Yeah. Well, that was kind of the thing about Gran Turismo. Like, yeah, at the time of Gran Turismo 1 on the PlayStation 1 and 2 on the PlayStation 1, like, there was no competition. There was no, no one else was doing that, yeah. especially not in the console space. I mean, you could get, like, some really good, like, arcade-level racers that kind of had some... Sil- sim- even the Need for Speeds on PC in the late 90s, like Porsche, Porsche Unleashed, 
was uh, that was a really good driving game. Like, yeah. you know, that was like you could mod oh, the, the early hell out Need of for it. Speed PC games were amazing. Yeah, they were like the driving games. Yeah, you like, like literally like the only driving yeah. franchise. But also, they were open to mods, and the community turned them into anything you could imagine. Yeah. And like they were a great experience. And like Gran Turismo was the only, you know the real driving simulator was you know brilliant tagline because that's what it was for many many years. And then like. You know, three. I think three continued to deliver on PlayStation Two, and then you hit that stretch where just there that was, was actually the last mega seller as well. Yeah, Gran Turismo Three series. for PlayStation Two was, and it did like eighteen million. Like they bundled it in with the mm-hmm. hardware, and like they'll never do stuff like that no. anymore. For well, because I don't think they can rely. And I remember, I remember visiting uh, Polyphony in Japan. Yeah, I've been there, and that that office is. Crazy. It is crazy. It's in dude. a beautiful area. Yeah. It's it's all done up like a parking garage. Uh-huh. The theme is like a parking garage. Like so, that, and they have like a massage room and a work, I mean, it's a beautiful space. And then there's a, this elevator that you can you can put the cars on an elevator and elevate. Uh, you know, use the elevator and you can drive the cars into the office. Yeah. So like when you're when they're building the models of the cars, they can literally drive the car into the office and have it right there by their desk. At, but yeah, right next to their cube. Also, they have like uh, sleeping tubes. Sleeping <laughs> like, tubes. Well, I, I tubes that you get into and yeah. sleep. <laughs> but, it, but even that, I mean, they don't even need that because we were walking around and, and at one point, like we like, were like talking and talking, and they're like, "Oh, if you could like keep talk it down. slightly quieter, there's a lot of people that are sleeping." And we're like, "What?" And like we look on, under, under every desk. desk. It's like three in the afternoon. Under every desk is a sleeping man. Yeah, it's really bizarre. And, like, not as like, oh, we were tired this night and we fit. I'm talking like there were tents and there were oh, sleeping bags and like a guy had a little stove and like I mean I mean it was like it was a camping. They lit tent. a campfire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean these guys worked twenty four hours a day. Their on this office game. was amazing, but yeah. it completely but how turned do you me off the that? game development. Well yeah. <laughs> but it's also like how do you afford to keep paying for that office if these guys only put a game out every five years? Well, I know? think what we're seeing with this game in particular. And that one, question goes like double for Team Eco, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you think about it, it has been a long time because the PlayStation 4 has been out. Yeah, almost three years. Oh, two and a half years. Yeah. But I mean, they, like you said, they take five to seven years to make a game typically. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at this one already. It does not look bleeding edge. No. It doesn't look to me as good as Forza on an underpowered console, which Forza would be compared to the PlayStation 4. And I'm just wondering if Sony's patience has finally worn thin because the game I do doesn't notice the interface, like it the interface is taking a lot from Forza yeah. in terms of having more photos, more colors. Although that looks like that one shot where I associate Gran Turismo with like just blank white, yeah, like just cars sitting on a blank field of white with no. Oh, their presentation has always been Spartan. But man. this this is much better presentation, I think. At least, I mean, this might just be the trailer. I don't know if the game itself, but like, I, I think Gran Turismo just needs to kind of step up and like get into that joy of the you know like hiring the top gear guys for Forza was a brilliant move because yeah. you have this enthusiasm that is missing from the, the Gran Turismo series, I think. Yeah, you're right. It's just very dry and unexciting. Mm-hmm. Like, they make the most exciting cars in the world about as boring as you could possibly make them. Like, it's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like the the genre has just left them behind. Like, today, like, we, you know, the live stream, two-hour live stream to debut the new Gran Turismo, and, like, no one cared. Mm-hmm. It's just... I mean, it looks good. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it, look bad. But it used, you know, there was a time when Gran Turismo was like the best looking thing you can Period. imagine on the system. Period. Yeah. Like the benchmark for the hardware it was on. Mm-hmm. Like it, certainly for the original PlayStation, it was the best looking 
original PlayStation game. Mm -hmm. And I would even say PlayStation 2. I would say so, yeah. Probably the best-looking game that was available on that system, save for maybe an Insomniac game here and there. Not anymore. Yeah. It used to be the game that you'd look at and be like, wow, like this is a new system. This is the new gen, yeah, yeah exactly. And it really isn't that way anymore. And now like, we, I don't, it's not even thought of very often. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this does with all the competition out there because I'm get, they're saying it's coming out by the end of the year. I would bet it doesn't. I've heard that before. <laughs> they also said it was coming out on the Vita. Yeah. Really? <laughs> not this, but oh, like there was a GT oh, Grand right, Turismo right. that was to come out on the Vita. Yeah, that never happened, yeah. I mean, I not, would not say, that it's the only Vita game that never happened, but like it was just one of those things where I think, you know, some people bought the system waiting for that game. Yeah, you're right. I would be really surprised if it comes out this year. And I would say it comes out next year. By that time, there will be another Project Cars. Project Cars 2 yeah. will come out. And now they build that brand. You know, the first we'll game another sold Forza Horizon. well, but not amazing. We'll have another Forza Horizon, and we'll have a Forza Motorsport 7, seven on, the, on the horizon. And by the way, Forza Motorsport Horizon, Forza Motorsport 7, in how many years compared to we're almost to GT, GT, GT6? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of like little interim games in there, but you know, at the same time, yeah. Turn, think about that. Turn Ten has also made three Horizon games. So in the, wait, in the when same did space. Forza start? What was Gran Turismo at when Forza started? Forza started, I want to say, 2000. Maybe Gran Turismo Four, probably. Maybe it was it was original Xbox. So Gran Turismo Three. Maybe maybe 2004. So they had a three or four game head start on Forza. Yeah. And now Forza's basically Forza's about caught. to pass them next year. <laughs> yeah. And they make Forza, the Forza Horizon games in between. It's a numbers-driven business, and the numbers for that studio are not yeah. working out. Also, and not just because, like, oh, there's more of them or it comes out every two years. It's also because that means they've gotten to iterate on what they make and improve it much more regularly than Gran Turismo has. Because you get the feeling that Gran Turismo tends to go back to the drawing board a lot. Yeah. And like, but they always come back with the same crap. Right. Like in today, they were talking about like photo mode and crap for like 40 well, that minutes. That was definitely my reaction to GT5. I was like, what took so long? You just made the same thing. Yeah. Like, well, remember, was it Gran Turismo 3 where they debuted like the photo mode? Yeah. And like at E3, I think so. like you could build a car and they'd hand you like a Polaroid or whatever your car. <laughs> like. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's a good idea. I, it's like, who wants to take real photos of fake cars? Mm. And it was like, dude, don't you remember? Like, they figured out, like, this, like, firmware you could, like, upload so you could use a printer with, like, your mm. PlayStation 2. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. They're still talking about crap like that with this one. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I'm not all that excited about it. I'm interested to see in our comments for this show, though, if other people still care about this franchise. I know a lot of people kind of grew up with it. Maybe they had this affinity for it, but it's just a sterile. I think. I think if you simulator. were born at the right time, I think there were gaps where you couldn't have grown up with Gran Turismo. You're right. You're like, right. <laughs> like That's really funny. Like there's points where like if you were like seven, it took so long. Yeah, if you were like seven and you played GTA three, like GT three oh. when it came out, like you would have been like in high school when the when next one came out. out. So like, what what did you grow up with? That is freaking hilarious. <laughs> But so true. Yeah. Yeah. Kids grow up fast. Yeah. They... <laughs> you got to get that sequel out. <laughs> okay, let's move on. I think we talked enough about this. Yeah. I'm sure people are like, move on. Because, again, I don't think people care about this series anymore. So, we shall see. Next, now we're going to talk about something I think you're going to be excited about. Arkham Remasters. Not 
all three, actually not all four. Right. It's the first two games right. made by Rocksteady. So Arkham Asylum, Arkham mm-hmm. City. Yeah. Which is which is correct. Yeah. I mean, I. They're or, not, obviously not going to put Arkham Knight in there. No, they don't want. We don't want anyone to think about Arkham Knight at this point. I don't <laughs> think. And um, and they'll probably have a game of the year thing ready to go for that. Because you don't want to you don't bundle that just yet. Yeah. And Origins. Um, Although not, they probably do. I mean, the sales uh, are done for that game. Origins not made by Rocksteady. Um, and uh, has the best story of all four, I think, but also the worst combat. They kind of broke the combat. Yeah, I'd agree with that, but I still feel like it belongs in this collection, though, man. I think I feel the, like that's pretty I dirty. The argument, can, the argument can be made, but like, if Rocksteady didn't want to do it, I get it because WB Montreal made that. Right. Um, and they don't. Cons- if they don't. But this consider- isn't Rocksteady. This is the publisher doing this. Yeah, but like Rocksteady, I'm sure has some clout in that regard. The other thing is like these games. Here's the thing. They were moved from the Unreal 3 to Unreal 4, and they don't look better. No, they look pretty better. I don't like, today they it, put out comparison screenshots. It looked mm, significantly better. I don't think they do. I think it, look, really? it looks like they've got a bunch of shaders that didn't translate and they didn't write new ones. I don't know. It looks like they replaced all the texturing in the game to me. Texture, yeah, but a lot of the effects are like the reflection of like Bat, of Bruce Wayne and like Hugo Strange's glasses and stuff. It's not there the same way. It's better yeah. than the original. And obviously, there's time. Maybe maybe there's not finished. I mean, but, I'm looking at this trailer right now. It definitely looks better than. Well, it, it's a higher resolution and it's smoother. But I don't know. I don't know if it looks better than like the PC version I have. No, I haven't. I haven't seen these games running on PC to know. But like moving to Unreal Four is a, possibly like a really big leap if they do it right. But I'm still kind of waiting to see if they do it right. Is there a market for this, Matt? Probably. I mean, I just... They're so good. We've talked about the Look, man, I have, before. I have two copies of each of these games, and I'm going to probably buy this to play it again. I love these games. These games are some of the best games of the last gen, and I'll play them again, no problem. I know a lot of people that are doing the same, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, you know, like, I will probably, you know, I don't buy a lot of last gen collections of games that I already, you know, played twice over, but I will probably do that with this, and I will probably do that with the Bioshock collection. I just feel like it's too soon. I think you have a point there, but... I don't know. I mean, remasters, like, it seems to me the remasters that do really well are the remaster. It seems like there's a, a, an equation here. Mm-hmm. The older the game, the better the remaster does financially. Because it's been longer than people like. It's like Resident Evil Zero. That remaster mm-hmm. sold 800,000 copies. I, here's the thing. I think, that game is not good. It's I think probably the, strategy, the worst Resident Evil. I think the strategy with Batman is um, I think a lot of people that really like those games have sold those consoles to get the new consoles, and a lot of them would like these games on that. Which is one reason that I think a lot of people are complaining that Origins isn't in it, because they want to upgrade. They want that game too. They, yeah. they, they want to have the three games they can't play anymore on their current system along with Arkham Knight. And they're not quite getting that. And it's is it 50 or is it 40? I don't remember what the price was. Oh, I, don't, I didn't see the price actually. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't remember what the price forty was. would make it pretty enticing. Forty would be twenty bucks each, especially with all DLC included. That's yeah. a pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you haven't played it, it's an amazing right. deal. But the bottom line is that most people have played these games. I I think that most that a lot of people who play these games are going to be willing to play them again, in a in a look you know looking better, running at sixty frames a second, higher resolution. I, I think I think, I think a lot of it's that a pretty depends, easy sell. I think a lot of that depends on when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. It comes out in Q4. I don't think it has a prayer. No, you probably. I mean, yeah. Comes right. out early next year in January or February. That's a good time. Probably do pretty well. Yeah. But it'll get lost totally in the shuffle of all the new games. Well, it's this fiscal year, so it could be Q1. I mean, I mean in that, all that's honesty, that's where to do it. February is where to do it. I think. In all honesty, from here on out, 
it would be a bad idea to release that game. Yeah. There might be a couple windows open maybe towards the end of summer. Like, yeah, like late July yeah. would be good, maybe. But, but like, I don't think, that's I don't think it's going to be ready in time for that. It doesn't, if you're just announcing it now. Yeah. Especially with all the rumors. It was rumored for like four months And if it took whatever. them this long the to like finally say, yeah. Yeah, like I, it wasn't ready until then. So yeah, I, I do know. feel bad, though, for Arkham Origins because... It, you're right, the combat isn't as good as Rocksteady's games, but I still really enjoyed playing the game. Like, I just, I think it deserves to be a part of the collection. I don't, really. I, I mean, I, I do think it does in terms of the fact that it's, a, it's the best story, it's the best written of the four. Um, but it's just, you know, the combat doesn't quite work, at least not until you get the electrical gloves. Like, you know, yeah. someone's used to racking up tons of, you know, high combos in the, other, in the Rocksteady games. Like, I kept getting tripped up by the different timing and the, how... You know, it seemed like, you know, the enemies can punch you through stuff easier, which I, you can also excuse as, like, Batman's not as good. You know, he's starting out, he's right. new. Right, Arkham he's, Origins. Um, he's new, so, like, you know, he's not as good a fighter as he is in the Rocksteady games. But then the other thing is, like, uh, you know, the, the thing about the Rocksteady games is they're all uh, Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill as Batman and the Joker, and in Origins it's... Troy Baker as the Joker, a very good Joker, and a guy whose name I can't remember as a as a pretty good impression of Kevin Con- Conroy doing Batman. But I can see why, like, kind of Warner Brothers or maybe Rocksteady would not consider it to be part of that same line. It should be called like the Rocksteady Collection, then, like probably. But then you're like, where's Arkham Knight? You know, I, they probably should pack and in Arkham Knight. Well, in well there. In that, I think that goes back to your point about it. Maybe it's too early. Maybe you should have waited until it was time to put Arkham Knight in this collection. Well, too. obviously they don't need to re. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, obviously they don't need to remaster Arkham Knight. Right, but, but they... I'm saying like if you know, wait another year or year and a half until it makes sense to put Arkham Knight in. You got the Rocksteady trilogy, and then you're there. You go. Yeah, it's, and, which they will probably it, end up doing. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> and sell it for the same price. Is what I'm saying. You know, make it a better yeah. bargain for people. Yeah, so. I, I just have a hard time thinking anybody who owns a new gen console has not played both of these games. I mean, both of them were Game of the Year caliber in the discussion for Game of the Year, uh, the years that they were released. Sold like crazy. Um, Arkham Knight sold okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think it sold as well as these two, though. Also no- notable that there's no PC version of this. Yeah. Because I guess Warner Brothers is... They should just throw in the just towel don't try yeah. anymore. Like, <laughs> they learned up. their lesson. Yeah. That's good, though. I mean, they, they learned. Yeah, learning, learning is good. <laughs> Warner Brothers is on a learning streak right yeah. now. It's between <laughs> that and uh, the Batman, the DC Cinematic Universe reshuffles they're doing. Yeah. So uh, it's good to see, but uh, it's too bad for PC gamers that... Maybe would like an Unreal Engine 4 version of these games. But uh, they still, they look pretty damn good on PC to begin with, so it's not like you're really losing a whole lot. That would just be kind of throwing good money after bad. Yeah. Um, And I guess they've given up on making Arkham Knight work on PC. Yeah, they they gave up. Yeah, they gave everyone their money back and they're like, done. Out. Yeah. We're going to Afro Samurai this sucker and call it a day. It would be hard to trust WB at this point with a PC game. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to blame anyone who would just step away. You'd be like, nope. (laughs) <laughs> but, I mean, I'll, I'll yeah, depend again. Like you said, depends on the timing. If it comes out this fall, I'm probably not going to have time. But yeah. if like you know, come come January, February, uh, I'll probably be hankering for some, you know, some upgraded Arkham some City. Some bat loving. Because right. I love Arkham City is my favorite of them. So man, it's funny Arkham. I, I mean, don't know. Arkham City is they're two different games because Arkham Asylum is basically Metroid. Yeah. And Arkham City is basically Zelda. Right. It, it depends whether you like this really focused, tight, 
kind of, you know, well-designed maze of a location, which is Art Asylum, or a big open city with dungeons, which is city. I like and I prefer the dungeon, the Zelda approach, like how they do that. But it's like, if someone says they like Asylum better, I totally understand that. I like the claustrophobic feeling yeah. of Asylum. Like, it's a, I mean, it's, uh, not to get Two-Face on you, but it is a bit of a coin flip, even for me. Two-Faced, ha ha. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh... <laughs> Made a dent in that one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, some days maybe Asylum is my favorite. I don't know. Yeah. But, like, uh, overall, I, a city, city is the Batman game I always wanted. And this is and, also coming from someone who typically likes Zelda more than Metroid. Mm-hmm. But with the Batman universe. Well, Asylum universe. is so well designed. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean I, even when I played Asylum, I wanted to go out. I wanted to leave. I wanted the openness. I wanted to yeah. jump off rooftops and scare the hell out of guys. Um, and all that. But, like, you know... Asylum is so well done. Like, it's so tight. And it was out of nowhere. It was like, yeah, all of a sudden, there was a good Batman game. What the hell was that? Like, you remember, remember play- that old Chemco Batman game? I went to Dark Tomorrow. <laughs> I went to the press event for that, and I was the, the only Game one Cube. who played it. <laughs> Everyone else just sat and drank free drinks. That was the game that, uh, when they announced the GameCube for the first time, it was one of the games shown. Mm-hmm. And it, we didn't see it again for, like, two or three years. And I remember I went to E3 one year, and this PR person was working at Chemco's booth, and I had never met a Chemco PR person ever before then, and Batman was there. And I remember I walked up to her, and I'm like, oh my god, Batman for the GameCube. And she was just like, <laughs> back away. I don't even want you here. She's like, I know you're going to tear this. She told me, you're going to tear this to shreds. Yeah. And I was like, what? She's like, don't. Don't. don't try it. Yeah, and she was right. Yeah, she knew. Well, it. I remember them asking me, "It's like, what do you think?" And I was like, "You know, I was new. I've probably been doing the review stuff for like six months at yeah, that point." Yeah. And I was just like, mm. "I like it." If you know, <laughs> no, I'm like, "Did you notice how I couldn't get the grappling hook to attach to the thing like four times? Oh like, my I'm God, still it was doing insane, it. Was dude. So awful. Yeah, the controls in that and game. And they like flown up. guys out from Japan for it and stuff. I mean, like, honestly, that game oh. is in the same league as Superman '64. Yeah, it is in the same league. I mean, it's not like as it, you can. It's not like you, the way Superman sixty four. You look at a screenshot of Superman sixty four and you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like Batman Dark Tomorrow looks it better for its time. It fool you a little bit. Yeah. But as soon as you start <laughs> moving the character, you're like, oh, it's all wrong. Oh no. Yeah. Batman game made in Japan. <laughs> there you go. All right, even, let's move on. We're even that, what, that one, the what was it, Batman Vengeance or something? It was on the GameCube. That was like the cartoony. The cartoony, right? yeah, based yeah. on the anime. So even that one was better than that. Yeah, well, oh, and that one wasn't very good. That was like a beat 'em up, though, wasn't it? Sort of a beat 'em up, sort of yeah, like level based thing. Yeah. Ugh. Batman had a torrid history with video yeah. games until Batman had a Rocksteady rocky road. That's why it was so shocking. Rocksteady's game. You're like, oh yeah. my god, like. I don't remember. I think it was Adam. Like, come, like I remember I, the first hour I played it. I, was well, I haven't like, even played it. Like, I remember we got it in, and Adam. I think Adam played it for like an hour. And he comes out of his office, and he's like, he's like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. this game is amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, what is it? The Batman game? I'm like yeah. the Batman game? And he's like, he's like, the Batman game is amazing. Yeah. And like it was, I couldn't believe it. And there it was. I'm like, yeah, well, was. maybe he's maybe he's crazy. I don't know. And I well, tried he it. He is crazy. He's yeah. Adam, but but I tried it. I'm just like, oh, they did it. Yeah. They did it. I feel like it. Batman. They did it. Yep. And here so, we are. Here we are. Later and still waiting for them to top it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Because Arkham Knight uh, did not do it. No, yeah. that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Well, I don't dislike it as much as a lot of people because I'm not a huge Batman fan. So I don't totally dislike it, but like I, you know. Poochie the Bat Tank is not my favorite. <laughs> I wanted the Batmobile for like three games, and then you gave me that. And yeah. I'm like, 
I feel, I feel like I feel like that was that was mean. That was not. I didn't deserve that. Yeah, I did. I actually enjoyed the Batmobile a little bit. I know that's sacrilege, but again, I'm not attached to the whole comic thing. I just the bi- the big final confrontation with Deathstroke was a re a redo of the fucking I know. final boss battle in the tanks. I know. Dumb. I know. Dumb. All right, let's move on. Dumb. <laughs> so this next topic, you want to talk about something dumb, Matt? Perfect segue. Even though you were doing it. This whole topic is spurred on from probably the dumbest thing I've seen in this industry per maybe since Sifted launched. So this week it was announced that someone was smart enough to invest $80 million into Tetris films. Mm, yes. So, Mac, let's just take a, a trilogy. Moment. Yes, a trilogy. Let's just take... It's weird because Tetris means four. Yeah, and I believe believe the $80 million might just be for the first film. I don't think that's for the... Yeah, I think that's probably one film. Yeah, I don't think that's for the whole trilogy. Well, this is aimed at the Chinese market, then. Let's let's stop for a moment and ponder what the Tetris movie may or may not be. I hope it's just giant blocks falling from the sky crushing shit. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I I think that was like a Far Side cartoon or something years ago, but it's like, what else is that going to be? How do you make a movie out of Tetris? I don't know. What if it's just like a really like dark like tale of the communist era? What if? And the better question is, why do I have to raise like the premium subscription cost for Sifted, and somebody got eighty million dollars to make a Tetris movie? Oh, because the way to greenlight anything these days is like, has someone heard of it before? The world's yes? gone crazy. So... That is insane, Matt. Oh, we're we're at the we're at the level now where we're gonna start seeing movies made out of breakfast cereal. You like, kidding? <laughs> you're right. Tony the Tiger is gonna get his own film any moment now. I would totally watch. I, put, I shouldn't even say that. Like I, it's gonna happen. It'll happen. The I would Kellogg's to- movie is. I would coming. totally watch a Captain Crunch movie. By the way, <laughs> I'm in. I'll pre-order those tickets. You base the Captain Crunch movie on that Perry Bible Fellowship comic? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm in. It's a, it's a adventure in the high seas, trying to fight like. Milk monsters trying to make the ship yeah. soggy? Yeah. yeah, okay, you might have something. Yeah, so this spurred on a topic for today's Game Face, which is our favorite and least favorite video game-based movies. Now, just as a personal preference, I have decided to exclude any Uwe Boll movies because I too felt... Too easy. I felt like it's too easy. It's a low-hanging fruit. I felt like I could have picked any of his... And they're supposed to be bad because that's way, how that loophole works. Right, that's what I was saying, like... With Uwe Boll, like, I, Tetris is insane because somebody actually made the conscious decision to say, yes, mm-hmm. I will write the check for $80 million for this. Uwe Boll had a weird, like, government loophole yeah. that he used to generate the money to make those films. Right. As long as it didn't make profit, you could recoup your right. spe- expenditures through a German tax loophole, which meant you didn't want it to be successful. Right. So basically what he did is he just ma- gave himself a huge salary. Right. So the, he would make sure that he would get at least his salary from making that film, and who cares if it does well? Mm-hmm. So we've ex- I've personally excluded him. Have you ever from seen any twist. of those? Yes. Which one? Anyone? All uh, of them? Dungeon any? Siege. I saw. I saw Dungeon Siege. I, did. <laughs> I can't believe. Uh, du- no, actually, what was it? It a was Dungeon uh, Siege Tale. Ha- yeah. Was it like Hail to the King or something, something or like that, something like that? Yeah. He has somehow managed to get some pretty high-profile actors to be in his films. Ben Kingsley will show up for lunch, Anything. apparently. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, amazing. Like, there's some big people in that movie. Yeah. Uh, all his movies have, like, a big star here or there. Yeah. And, like, I don't, I don't whatever. I mean, I guess you, 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 people work for scale in any industry in the end, I guess. But Yeah. Uh, I can't believe they made, they got, like, two Blood, Blood Rain movies out of him. I mean, 
What? The properties what? that he chose. Postal. Postal. Remember the tirade he Far went on cry. over Postal tanking and getting yeah. bad reviews and that he didn't. Nobody understood it. Nobody, yeah, understood, yeah. nobody understood. <laughs> nobody understood the movie with a 9/11 joke at the beginning. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's good it. work. So what we're going to do is we're both going to pick our favorite video. We're going to limit it to legitimate theatrical yeah. releases. And these are, just to be clear, these are movies that are based on video games, franchises. Mm-hmm. This is not movies about video right. games. Right, so Tron doesn't count. Tron doesn't count. Pixels doesn't Pixels count. Pixels or, or King of Kong. Or, yeah. yeah. It has to be narratively based on, on the a video, video game, game franchise. And yeah. so we're going to pick our favorite and our least favorite. We're going to start with our favorite. Matt, what is your first pick? Uh, my favorite is uh, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. 1995. Um, I'm not going to claim it's a great movie. It's a. It's a. Well, I don't think we can claim that about true. any of these. It's a B. It's a B-list uh, martial arts film that happens to incorporate Mortal Kombat tropes because Mortal Kombat is a fighting game that happens to incorporate B-movie kung fu tropes. Um, I mean, it's it's a perfect circle when you get down to it. I and, love that uh, wig there too. That's oh, great. Christopher Lambert is amazing in that movie. It's like it's, 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 it's he's great. King, awesome. And uh, and like I really like this movie. I saw it in a midnight show on opening night, and uh, a twelve-year-old kid behind me threw vodka up all over my seat and refused to apologize. <laughs> that was fun. And uh, the other thing I remember from that audience was um, it was there was this guy way in the back who had the deepest, like, just, like, booming Keith David voice you could imagine. And every time a character appeared on screen for the first time, he'd do the announcer, like, Johnny Cage. Like, it was, and it was perfect. <laughs> like, he, like, projected through the whole room, like, louder okay. than the movie. And, like, it, and he, was, he was just, like, raided. And, yeah. like, and he was, like, the best part. And, and but I love that, like, it covered it's all the... movie the, is insane, It's crazy. Dude. It covers everything. It covers all the characters. Everybody gets a moment in it. Everybody gets a fight. They actually go to, you know, the nether realm, and, like, Reptile shows up, and he was, like, this terrible CG, but at the time it was kind of cool. And, like, they just, they <laughs> went for broke on it. Everybody looks like Oh, themselves. they went broke, all right. Yeah. Not, no, this game, this movie know, did well. Did. They made a sequel well. that was terrible and missed the point of it. It was not fun, for whatever reason. And they had Goro running around with the, the you know practical effects. It was great. The fight, and they had the fight in hell between Johnny Cage and Scorpion, oh and like getting Ed Boon his IMDb credit yep. for his movie role. Yep. Get over here! Like you know, <laughs> it was a. I, I think that movie's a great time. And it the, is a good time. It's fun. It, I mean, I was laughing and having fun yeah. just watching the trailer. And that's, that's terrible techno Mortal Kombat track, which to this day emblematic of the whole series. It Mortal is. Yeah. Kombat. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I love it. And, like, you know, it's the only video game movie I'll probably, like, you know, voluntarily watch again. Again. And uh, I have. Can and you I still watch it today? Yeah, I still love it. It's it's pretty janky in a lot of places. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's well, supposed well, it's to be. It's also an 80s movie, or 90s movie. 90s, yeah, yeah. but... It, you know, like you know, when most when, movies from the '90s are pretty janky. When, when Liu Kang is, you know, forcibly dragging the cartoon reptile out of the shadows and stuff, yeah, it's, yeah. Little, it's like, whoa, that's so bad. <laughs> but it's like, I, you know, it's like, uh, it's fun. Like Army of Darkness is fun. Yeah, know? it's just, it's an homage, but it's also got its own ideas, and it's Sticky. just kind of, it kind of, it does it. It pulls it off. Yeah, I love it. I'm a big fan. Okay, my pick for my favorite video game movie of all time, I think this might be a shocker, is DOA, Dead or Alive. This one surprised me, and I admit I haven't seen this one. Um, Now you know why I like it. Oh. (laughs) I've seen this scene, This scene is awesome. Like, that is genius. Like, she (laughs) throws her bra up in the air, 
kicks a dude in the face, and then the bra lands perfectly on her breast assist. That is just brilliance. That's an amazing thing to practice that often. <laughs> yeah. Should have had fun. You, you can't just improv that. Yeah. So why why is this my favorite uh, video game based movie? Because they all suck, and hmm. this movie knows that video game movies suck, and they just go all in on it. It has the most absurd action wire work. Like there's scenes where they're like flying through the sky. Like it's insane, dude. <laughs> Like it does. Here's the thing about this movie: it does. It knows exactly what it is. It's a movie based on Dead or Alive. It knows why people like Dead or Alive because there are hot girls in it. There are hot girls in this movie wearing bikinis. They know that video game movies suck, and so instead of trying to make a good movie about video games, they just go full bore the other direction. I give it credit for the fact that even though, though there's no sound, I know which who every character is. When yeah, they, they did a good job with the costuming, and honest, in all honesty, like the wire work in this and the fight choreography, that is, was very Spice Girls. Right yeah, there. <laughs> it's pretty good. Like they spent a huge budget on this thing, like, but it wasn't on dumb crap, like fake CG or big actors who are going to just act out a corny story anyway. Like, it is an unabashedly a video game movie. Like, it's like watching a video game in film form. And I think that's what most video game movies miss out on, is that they don't carry the aesthetic of the game into the movie. Mm -hmm. They're just like, oh, we're going to use, like, there's these two characters and we'll write our own plot and for And sometimes vice versa, looking at you, Quantum Break. Yeah, exactly. Need so a little more wire work. So that's my favorite. In all honesty, like, that was the first thing that sprung to mind. And I was like, people are going to think I'm crazy. So I started, like, looking around and I realized I was right. <laughs> it really is, like, the best video game-based movie ever. Uh, the best part about it is, you can, I believe it's completely free to watch on YouTube right now. Like, hmm. I don't think... You have to watch it on Netflix or anything. I think you can go on YouTube and watch the whole thing from beginning to end, completely free. You'll thank me later. I don't want to hear any details. <laughs> Alrighty. So let's flip the script, and we're going to talk about, in our estimation, the worst video game movies of all time. What, Matt, what is your choice? Uh, I'm going to go with Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. I'm surprised to hear this because when I was researching this topic... It was near the top of everybody's list for the best video game movies of all well, time. Well, I wouldn't know because this is one of the t one of two movies I have ever fallen asleep watching in the theater. <laughs> um, the other one was Emperor's New Groove, which I fell asleep at a midnight show because I'd taken Benadryl and been up since like <laughs> 7 in the morning. So I was on drugs and that doesn't count. I don't even know what that is, the Emperor's New Groove. It's a Disney cartoon where uh, David Spade is the emperor turning into a llama and... Uh, I've John, never it's seen really it. Fun. It's really good. That's the funny thing. Is like, I really like that movie, but I was so out of it on, on antihistamines that I just passed out, basically. <laughs> Prince of Persia was also at the end of a long day, but um, it just had nothing for me. And about 20 minutes in, after the big... After the, the plot gets going, and he's, like, leading a camel through the desert. That's all I remember. You lean a camel through the <laughs> desert, and then I opened my eyes, and there was, like, sand flying everywhere, and it was over. And so I don't really know if it was any good <laughs> in between there, but I've never gone back to check because the first 20 minutes did nothing for me. Yeah. Uh, this one, I would say, was probably the biggest budgeted video game movie. Definitely up there. I don't know, like, you know... I mean, obviously, they have big actors. Jake big, Gyllenhaal. Yeah, who, for some reason, has picked to play a Persian prince. Yeah. I don't know, like, <laughs> where the logic is. I mean, I yeah. The, he, he went to the tanning bed. He went to the tanning bed a couple times, and he's got the hair, <laughs> but it's just like, really? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, and... It, yeah, I like the Prince of Persia. So you're saying the worst like one is one you've actually never seen? Yeah, but it didn't. It didn't hold. <laughs> I never fall asleep during movies. Like going going to a movie in a theater is like. 
the closest I get to going to church. Yeah. Like, don't you know, don't talk. Put your damn phone away and stop chewing yeah. so loud. <laughs> you damn kids. And like this, I couldn't stay awake. Like, yeah. I couldn't do it. And like, even even the person I was with, she she was like elbow. She's like, hey, like I'm just like, no, nah, I don't care. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Out. I'm done. <laughs> Let me if you ever I mean, I've stayed awake through shit like Max Payne and the and the Spirit and you know some real bad Dracula Dead and Loving It. Like I've been through some bad movies in the theater. You went to see Dracula Dead and Loving no, It. No, I was the dragged to see Dracula, Dracula <laughs> Dead and Loving It. Every once in a every once in a while, we let so, you know you know you let someone else pick the movie and yeah. you end up somewhere. You that end up always ends that. up being a huge mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and like you can't leave because everybody's your alt. You know, so it's a yeah. It's um that's my pick for the worst one just because it's the you know at least the others were bad enough that I could like enjoy the badness. Whereas Prince of Persia was just sort of laid there like a slug and never did never even did anything terrible enough for me to be amused. Okay, so. fair enough. My pick for the worst video game based movie of all time is Resident Evil Afterlife. I don't even know which one that is. That was the three D one. The third one? Yeah. Did I see I that believe. One? I don't think I saw this so, one. So the reason I think two was my limit. The reason I bring this up is because I just watched this last week. <laughs> because when my Xbox One I thought died and I took it out of my entertainment center, I was able once again to be able to watch 3D content from my direct TV box. And because I'm so crazy OCD, all this time I never deleted all the 3D content that I had got from that old channel 3Net when it existed. Mm. So I still have like 20 or 30 like 3D movies and shows on my DVR on my DirecTV box. And this happened to be one of them. And in fact, this was like the last one I got from 3Net before it went under after X I installed my Xbox One and was not able to watch 3D. So, and the funny part about this is the whole time I've had this Xbox One hooked up, and I'm looking at like the list of stuff on my DVR. I kept looking at it. I'm like, someday I'm going to watch you. Someday I'm going to watch you. <laughs> someday I'm going to get rid of this crappy Xbox One. I'm going to watch you. And sure enough, Is the day... Is your internal came... monologue named Bubba? <laughs> yeah, sure enough. I watched it, and it was awful. <laughs> it had nothing to do with Resident Evil whatsoever except for the characters. And the... here's what bothers me. Is the first Resident Evil movie wasn't that bad. It wasn't that good. But it wasn't that bad either. It wasn't, like, terrible. Like, it showed some promise. It actually showed some reverence for the source material. And this one was just an excuse to have her running around wet for mm, right. two hours while my, they my stick, favorite like, swords out of the screen because it was in 3D. Right. My favorite Resident Evil movie is the first one because we saw a press screening of that that Mick LaSalle, which we mentioned earlier, was unable to get into because he wasn't on, a, on the right list. And then he came in and sat down next to Adam and me and was just like, and complained to us about it. I was like, Nicholas Sal got totally screwed. I was, <laughs> I was happy through the whole movie because of that. Um, but uh, I saw the second Resident Evil and that was enough. Yeah. Uh, Nemesis, I guess I continued on. The chat is saying that this is the fourth one. Oh, okay. Uh, and that the fifth one is worse. Oh, wow. There's a fifth one after this there's one? There's six, I think. What? And there's six? Chat, help me out. Is there six Resident Evils? And the seventh one's coming, or is it five and the sixth one? Because there's another one coming. All I know is I just watched this one, and not only was it a terrible movie, it was a disgrace to the Resident Evil franchise. And the Resident Evil franchise is probably the most ripe to turn and easily turn into a good movie. Um, and this one, it's like, oh, we have this hot girl that we paid some money for, and we're just going to show her. Yeah, the sixth movie is coming. 
Okay. Yeah, it, it, and it's supposed to be the last one, the finale. And they also had budget for this. Like, it's not like yeah. it's a low-budget flick. Like, well, this is a classic example. This, the old Star Trek movies are like this too. It's a classic example of you have you find out how many people go see your movie, and then you set the budget, budget exactly to, to match that. To you know, so you know you'll make this amount of profit. You have this much to make the movie. Go. And, and like it works every budget. damn time. <laughs> and this is you know this is by uh, you know she's married to the director and like it's it's kind of the family business at this point. I mean, I'll give you this much. She is really hot. And that kept yeah. me watching it for a good hour. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I'm a Res- I liked Resident Evil at the time, but the main thing that got me into the theater was the fact that the multi-pass girl from Fourth Fifth Element was right, in it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, honest. even as hot as she is, I, I oh, there's some I things that can't be saved. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't do it anymore. And I mean, even Nemesis couldn't be saved by the combination of her and whoever that was playing Jill Valentine. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Wesker's in this, and it doesn't look like Wesker. He doesn't mm-hmm. act like... It's just like the whole... It's just a sham. The whole thing is a sham. The first movie did have some pretty damn good kills in it. Yeah, though. that's what I'm saying. The first the one... The guy got cut up by the laser fence is yeah, still one of my favorites. Yeah, it was like an auspicious start. Yeah. The first one, I was like, okay, there, it's not perfect, but I felt like they were on the right track, right. and then it just... I mean, look, it's, it's not like you have to stick to the sacred narrative, you know, transcendence of Resident Evil. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you want to mess around a little bit, go for it. Yeah. You know? But after a certain point, like, you just, I just couldn't. It just wasn't a horror movie anymore. Right. No, either. no. It was, like, Nemesis was, I don't know what Nemesis was. I don't it, was either. A, it was an action e- comedy horror-ish thriller. thriller? <laughs> I don't even know. Post, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, know. I can't believe they made that many of these. Yeah. But so, that, that was the last one I'll ever watch. That was it. You don't the, wanna... It was the the big part too is all the buildup. Knowing it had been on my DVR all this time, huh. waiting to watch it in three. But there's something even worse waiting for you. How can you resist that? Oh, I can't do it. So that's my pick for the worst video game based movie of all time. As always, share your it's, picks. You got some in the Resident comments. Evil movie fans in here, man. They are not happy with your picks. Really? So fan, uh, yeah. Short Raver is a is a fan of Wesker in the movies. This is Wesker was great. frame by frame ripped from the game. Wesker was great in the movies? What? You gotta be cray. <laughs> I don't know. I only watched an hour of it. Maybe he gets better? <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't last anything past that. So I actually enjoy like the the CG ones better. Like the ones that are really based upon the games. Hmm. Like that always star Leon for whatever reason. He must be like a Japanese heartthrob or something. If you're but, making uh, a CG movie, you're te- you gotta be tempted by that hair. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, let's move on to the last topic of the Big Six. This is one that is probably near and dear to the hearts of everybody watching this. I know it personally it was for me, obviously, coming from GT. Uh, but this week it was announced that IGN has essentially purchased game trailers. Like, what's left of game mm-hmm. trailers, which is its video content, library. Basically. Yeah, all the content, so its video library, all the properties and names of its shows... Most importantly, the URL. Mm. It will start redirecting GameTrailers.com to IGN. And that, for me personally, hurts the most. Yeah. A lot. It hurts a lot. Like, man, that... Of all the sites. That. It's not even that it's IGN, <laughs> in all honesty. Oh, it's a little bit. A little bit, because they were one of our competitors. But I, felt the, I would have felt the same way if it was... GameSpot or any of the other big ones. It's not even that it's IGN. It's just, I can't believe that somebody will type in GameTrailers.com and it will go to one of the competitors that I fought tooth and nail against. Does that mean Invisible Walls is going back up? Yeah. Like, they'll have, 
they, own everything? They'll own everything. Like, they could start a podcast called Invisible Walls tomorrow, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. They could start Bonus Round, which, of all the properties that GT owns, that's probably mm-hmm. the one I could see them, because they have... You guys did have some good names. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, is... All their shows that they have now were them imitating what mm-hmm. we did at Game Trailers. So, like, they have Game Scoop. That's their take on Bonus Round. Like, you know, we did comparison videos. They have Rewind Theater. Like, we did Pop Block. Like, everything that we did, they copied it, and they gave it a different name or whatever. They also poached our best editor, our best video editor, mm-hmm. who went there and then showed them how we did everything, which was when the, they start, their video production started getting a little better. So... It's rough. And, you know, they're saying, like, oh, you know, we're saving GT's content. And, you know, they're trying to look like the white knight who's come to the rescue of all the GT fans. But the truth of the matter is, is that there was already, like, people on NeoGAF. There's marrow in these bones. And an entire YouTube channel dedicated yeah, to... people had saved it already, pretty much. Nobody needed IGN to do this, is the bottom line. And But they're trying to spin it like, mm-hmm. oh, we're doing this great thing. We were big fans. Well, they weren't fans of GT whenever I was there. Like, yeah. like, they hated us. And, like, I remember, like, Doug Perry one time, who was an editor at IGN, calling me and, like, cussing me out. And, like, he and I were friends. Like, when I had worked at GameSpot and all these other places prior, like, we were friends, and we go out to events. And you know how when you go to gaming events, you have, like, a, a circle of people that you relate to, and, like, you hang out, and, like, when you do, like, the lunch thing, you sit and have the lunch with them. Mm-hmm. And after you've played the game, you hang out and have a couple beers with them. Like, he was one of those guys for me. Like, he was a guy that when I went to events, we'd hang out and shoot the shit because we were older, and we had been in it for a long time, so we could relate. And he called me one day and, like, cussed me out when he was at IGN and said, oh, you guys are... He said we were we went rogue because see we the one thing that we started at GT was shooting off screens. We were like the first site to do it. Like you go to these events, and the publishers would be like, "Here's your disc with like a minute of media," and we were just like, "Screw that!" And we would just walk up and just start shooting off the screens. And we were the first ones to ever do it. And people went crazy over it. Like he called me to bitch me out over that. Hmm. You guys are ignoring all the rules of this industry. You have gone rogue. And really what it was is he was pissed off because he saw that we were just like exploding in popularity or whatever. So, yeah, there's some history between IGN, myself and IGN, but there's history between everybody. Like, that's just the way it is. It's a competitive industry and people are busting their butts. Like, everybody at these sites works really hard, dedicates a lot of their time. They're really passionate about it. But, so for IGN to come in and say, oh, now, oh, we're big fans of GT and always have been. And, like, they showed us how to produce video and... They also slipped in something like where, oh, you know, they used to have a much bigger, like, video staff than us, which is not true at all. Like, Hmm. we never had a bigger anything than IGN when we were at GT. Like, they always had way more. We go to events, they'd have, like, four camera guys and, like, ten editors, and it would be me and one camera. Like, that's the way it just was. Hmm. And so for them to say that, like, oh, they were the little guy, IGN has never been the little guy at anything in this industry. So... The truth of the matter is, is they can try to spin it and be the white knight and say, oh, we're helping all the fans with GT. I'm not buying it. But the bottom line is, it was a really smart purchase by IGN. Like, I wish we had the money to be able to buy, to pay for what IGN paid for. Because 
a lot of that content that we create, look, invisible walls, that's not going to earn them money. That's topical stuff that here today, gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's like Game Face. Like, you know, you watch Game Face, this episode of Game Face in two years, who cares what we think about Gran Turismo Sport? Like, it's been out for four years and it's done. But the stuff that we did, like the retrospectives and like timeline and just the more evergreen like feature stuff, like that stuff is going to earn until the end of time. People are always going to... Those retrospectives are ridiculously good. And most of the credit for that goes to Brandon Jones because he was like our features editor while I was there. And he handled a lot of that stuff. And those things, are they're always going to be good. You're always going to want to know about the history of Final Fantasy or the history of Resident Evil or the history of Metal Gear. Like, they're always going to be relevant. People are going to want to watch that five years from now. It's, the production is still going to be great. It's in HD. Very well produced, professional, could go right on the TV if you wanted to. That is uh, kind of the key. There's like one of the sweet, the problems with the old X-Play episodes is their SD. Yeah, that is a problem. The, H- the HD really makes the difference in terms of like timelessness. It really does. And all that stuff was done in at And least you guys were first, 720. right? Yeah, yep. So it's all at least 720. So it was a smart, I don't know how much they paid for it. I'm assuming it was like nothing because it was worth nothing to Defy. In right. fact, Defy probably just wants Clearly. to... Right. Just wants to get that crap off its servers mm-hmm. at this point so that it stops to stop paying the bandwidth bill for all of it. So, you know, for Defy, it's worth nothing. I'm sure IGN slid in there and got it for a really good price. And it's going to pay... Look, the dividends it's going to pay with the content on YouTube forever. And look, IGN, they're making long-term plays here. It's not like us where we're like, what can we do to make sure we make it for the first five years? They're mm-hmm. like, what can we do now to make sure this company is generating crazy revenue 15 years from now. Like, that's the type of business that they're in and the way they're, they're operating. That's not how we operate. And Defies is trying to offload. So I'm sure they got a crazy good deal on it. It's, it's content that's going to earn for perpetuity. And most importantly, the redirect, GameTrailers.com URL. Mm-hmm. That is huge. And look, I get that, like, the relevance of the front door of a .com is being more more diminished by the day and you know most traffic comes in through websites through the side or through the back now or just through social media and the home page isn't such a big deal as it used to be but that url is huge like it's just first of all it's been in seo now for like 12 years mm-hmm. so if you search video game trailer what pops up gametrailers.com click ign.com it's a really really smart purchase for ign i don't think people realize they're just they're just looking at it like, oh, thank you. You're going to make sure that all these shows are still alive. And who knows? Like, I can't find half of the content I created. It'll probably be a better archive than... Than know, what GameTrailers.com yeah. has right now. Yeah. Because they'll probably just go and purge the hard drives and find all the files and just go through the whole process mm-hmm. again. Hire, like, an intern and just sit by a machine all day and just upload that stuff to YouTube. Whereas defy with gametrailers.com was trying to do what i talked about before with the redirects trying to Mm. reconnect the dots between the servers instead of just taking the files and just re-uploading them and doing it all from scratch so it should ultimately provide a much better archive of gt's content um but again is is it even needed when the fans were already kind of handling that in the first place so it's bittersweet um, I honestly doubt that things like Invisible Walls will even bother with. Like, I don't even think that they'll upload shows like that. So I don't think personally it really affects me. I don't feel like it's going to, like, immortalize a show that I worked on and it'll be there for perpetuity. Um, I think if they're smart anyway, 
it's probably just going to be the features. It'll mm -hmm. just be like... And maybe they'll steal some titles. Yeah. They may use some show names here and there. Maybe they talk to I Jeff. I would steal the shit out of Bonus Round. Yeah. That's a I great mean, title for something. It is. I mean, maybe they talk to Jeff Keeley and they're like, hey, like, you know, mm -hmm. fly up here one day a month and we'll do Bonus Round with you again. Like, who knows? Like, they are the one website who has the money to do Bonus Round. Mm -hmm. And the other advantage that they have, you know, I, I would have loved to do another Bonus Round type show. We just can't do it here because there's nobody here. Right. So every time we bring somebody in, we have to fly them all the way in. They live in the Bay Area where all those developers are already. They could probably... And where all those developers visit regularly, yeah. too. L.A. is not the hottest destination for game developers, game developers outside of E3. Yeah, I mean, it's not. There's one week out of the year where they're all E3 here. E3 and the Video Game Awards. That's yeah. pretty much it. Yep. And uh, so I could see them possibly reviving Bonus Round, with, which I think a lot of people would be happy with. I wouldn't mind it. Like, it sucks to look at a brand that you helped build yeah. and just have somebody buy it, but... At least they'll be able to find your content. Half the damn episodes I wrote of X-Play don't exist anymore. Yeah, I know. I've tried to go back and get episodes of X-Play for my reels and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And one, there are a lot of them are SD and they look like crap. Yeah. But, but usually two, it doesn't you can't matter. find them. Usually, usually people understand that. I've, yeah. never, I've never run into an SDHD problem because they know that you didn't dictate whether it was going to well, be Well, you put it on your reel, they also are like, damn, this guy's been producing for a long time. Because it's in SD, so... It shows that you have experience. I have a fair number of them that I saved before we left, so... Uh, I have like my favorites basically but yeah. we made 1400 episodes of that show and like I'd say a good thousand or so of them are probably gone in yeah. a vault forever. Yeah, I had problems digging up like like what I, stuff that I thought like I, I put up together a reel before I left there but mm -hmm. like I literally had like three days to go through like four or five years of work. Right. I know I still have future Shane somewhere. Nah. I saved a lot of stuff on purpose. I may have to hit up your archive at some point. I got, I got a big archive of that stuff. Yeah. So, so for, your, for your personal records. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know if it's better that IGN bought game trailers or if Defy would have just shut it down and wiped it off the face of the earth. I don't, I don't know. know. Which is I, better? I don't know. I think it's better that someone is archiving it or preserving it in some regard. I mean, better than having it lost. This is a whole era. Because I mean, that early to, you know, early to late 2000s section is like, you know, a lot of the internet is going to get lost forever there. Because, yeah. like, no one was archiving it or the formats changed or YouTube didn't exist yet. You know, like... You know, I'll say one thing: the Wayback Machine is pretty impressive. They, yeah, man. it does pretty well. But it's like, shocking to me, like how I could go back and look at like a single day on game trailers, yeah. and remember the day. I'd look at it and be like, "Oh, I remember that day when we put this up, and <laughs> the hassle that we went through with this PR person." And blah. it's really crazy how that thing works. And like, you can click the videos and they play. How do they do that? Uh, I don't know. How do they archive all that video? Because you can't go to, like, GameTrailers.com now and, see it, and yeah. see it. Like, how do they do that? Caching Somebody is fill me in. I'm sure there's some really dumb thing that they're doing. Or maybe they just have servers the size of, like, the Empire State. But I, I don't should know. I should check some of the old Tech TV stuff on there. It really some, is crazy. There's some stuff I'm missing. Uh, seriously, do it. And, in fact, I should probably do that for G4 as well to try to get some of my stuff from when I produce for X-Play. But, uh, yeah, it's bittersweet to see it. Um, the spin that IGN has put on it, little... Uh, in my opinion, like yeah. they could have just been honest yeah. and been like, it was a smart business decision. Like, and it is. There's no denying that. Um, it's always going to hurt knowing that you can type in gametrailers.com and go to yeah. IGN, though. <laughs> but, like, it was so cheap, you guys. Yeah. And look, I'm like, you wouldn't believe it. was like the steam <laughs> sale of intellectual property. It was unbelievable. And look, I'm sure. If An outlet I... on your wish list is on sale. 
And look, I'm sure if the situation were reversed and GT ended up being the site that survived and IGN was the one that shut down, the folks at IGN would be heartbroken if they typed in IGN.com and it took them to GameTrailers.com. It's just mm, when you dedicate... What a world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, uh, when you dedicate that much time, passion, and energy to something, you're just inevitably going to be protective of it and it's going to hurt yeah. a little bit when you see things happen to it that are completely out of your control. So, so yeah. I think the top, like right now, the top story on, uh, if you go to G4, if it still even comes up for like a year or two, the top story was like how to make a great sandwich. <laughs> it was like some something from the Esquire site that kind of somehow got cross-pollinated. Yeah, yeah. So like the most popular story on G4TV.com was like, like how to make how to make the best sandwich. And I was just like, that fits. <laughs> that's a, that's your epitaph. That's a, that's an epitaph right there. Yeah. It's it like you get it's like an article about how to make a sandwich and like Sarah Underwood's naked bike ride, and that was like the only <laughs> thing left. It was just, yep. Well, it's always odd when something just gets shut down suddenly, and like, what is that still image? It's like with GT, like the last mm-hmm. review they did was like Unravel, and like Unravel yeah. has been like the top image on GameTrailers.com for like six months now, like yeah. frozen in time. It's like the corporate equivalent of like worrying about dying on the toilet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like you You're just right. hope you just hope that website ends up on something kind of good. Yeah, yeah. And like sometimes it doesn't. Before it goes into that cryogenic sleep. <laughs> so, I guess I would say good luck to IGN. I mean, yeah, I hope they treat it well and, yeah. and make it like. Please you know, treat it well. At least the feature stuff I think is valuable work. And look, there are some people that work there back that are still working there that were a part of IGN back when I was there and like GT was thriving. Like Fran Mirabella, mm-hmm. he's a great guy. Um, I think he may have had a little bit to do with the yeah. sale. I mean, I'd love to dig through that stuff just for the sake of having been around when that was. You yeah. know, so I'd love to dig through One Up's archives. I'd love to dig through uh, uh, you know G4's archives. I yeah. love, you know, there's stuff in there that I think would be great to discover and find and preserve. Yeah. But uh, there's actually a lot of great people at IGN to be honest yeah. with you. Like once you're not competing with them, it's it's all gravy. They're just good well because you got to remember, like we all watch each other's stuff, and yeah. we all we were all there, and it's all yeah. the same kind. You know, there's nostalgia for each other's videos. Yeah, yeah. No matter how hard we competed competed with each each other at the time. Yeah, I got lots of love for Fran, lots of love for Pear, Mac, Mac Casamassina, all those guys. So, uh, and the crew they have there now are great too. So, treat it with kids' gloves. Treat it well. Hopefully, look. I hope it does generate them revenue. It would be great to know yeah. this stuff that you worked on. They should have you like ten years. They should ago. have you go shoot like some intro pieces for them, <laughs> like to, to contextualize each yeah. episode of Invisible. Sit there Walls. with like a pipe and like a Just, reading room. Welcome a, to Invisible Walls, with masterpiece a, theater. <laughs> a velour jacket on. On this day in the year of our Lord two thousand and eight, yeah, Marcus was particularly crabby. <laughs> 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 I do remember that day. You know, <laughs> he can have that one for free, IGN. Give him a call. Let's go. No, you're the one who needs to do it, man. That was freaking brilliant. That was hilarious. You like crabby. crabby that day. All right, I think we're going to move on. <laughs> it is time for our trailer of the week. And, folks, this is a long one. Let me tell you. Oh, yes. Buckle in. Seven go minute go to G4TV.com and learn how to make a sandwich. Yeah, because yeah. Or watch a really hard girl ride time. a bike naked. <laughs> it's one or the other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> make a sandwich while you watch a naked girl ride a bike. Uh, <laughs> so the trailer of the week this week is really long. I'm not exaggerating. It is seven minutes long. Um, I will say this, though. As long as Blizzard keeps making these Overwatch CG shorts... 
they're going to keep on being the trailer of the week on Game Face because they are just heads and shoulders above and better than everything yeah. else. Blizzard's video department. Yeah. Best in the business. I mean, I had a bunch of good trailers to choose from, and none of them can hold a candle to this one. So this is the new CG short for Overwatch. It's called Dragons. My family tells of an ancient legend about two great dragon brothers. The dragon of the north wind and the dragon of the south wind. Together, they upheld balance and harmony in the heavens. turned to rage and their violent struggle darkened the skies until the dragon of the south wind struck down his brother who fell to earth shattering the land Seeking power, I killed my brother. But without him, I am lost. The stranger replied, You have inflicted wounds upon yourself. But now, you must heal. Walk the earth on two feet as I do. Find value in humility. Then, you will find peace. not the first assassin sent to kill me, and you will not be the last. You are bold to come to Shimara Castle, the den of your enemies. This was once my home. Did your masters not tell you who I was? I know who you are, Hanzo. I know you come here every year on the same day. You risk so much to honor someone you murdered. You know nothing of what happened. 
yourself that your brother disobeyed the clan and that you have to kill him to maintain order. That it was your duty. It was my duty and my burden. That does not mean I do not honor him. your brother Genji with incense and offerings? Honor resides in one's actions. You dare to lecture me about honor? You are not worthy to say his name! You go wakateki wo Control the dragons. Who are you? Do it then. Kill me. No. I will not grant you the death you wish for. You still have a purpose in this life. Brother. No. My brother is dead. Genshi. The dragon knelt upon the ground. For the first time, he was able to clearly see the world around him, and he became human. The stranger revealed himself as his fallen brother, reunited. The two set out to rebuild what they had once destroyed. What have you become? I have accepted what I am. And I have forgiven you. Now you must forgive yourself. The world is changing once again, Hanzo. And it's time to pick a side. Real life is not like the stories our father told us. You are a fool for believing it so. Perhaps I am a fool to think there is still hope for you. But I do. Think on that, brother. But an awesome a good one. one, a really good one. Yeah, I can't. I think there's two more that Blizzard's putting out uh, before it's all said and done. Overwatch comes out next week, twenty third. Right. Yeah. 
Coming out a day early, by the way, Blizzard did something really cool where they are, it is uh, allowing retailers to break street date. Hmm. It's like, whenever you get it, sell it. Do it. And apparently, by the shipping schedules and everything, most retailers should get it a day before. So, yeah. Go to your retail store, Overwatch, you'll be able to buy it before its actual street date. So, just a tip there. Um, With seven minutes of questions, Hmm. (laughs) we have a lot to try to get through here. Uh... And we were actually shooting the crap while we while the trailer was playing. <laughs> so we actually did not pre-screen any of these, unfortunately. That is our bad. We were off our game a little bit there. Well, Dragon Slayer 91 has asked the same question several times. So what, what do I think about the GTX 1080 good card? Will I be buying one? Um, it's, a, it's a great card, like especially for the price and the power. Um, I will probably not be buying one because I have two Titan Xs and I won't need one, really. Yeah. You know, I'm probably good for another couple card iterations, but like if you don't have... The card on that power level, like, I would buy it in a second if I didn't have my rig already. What they've been saying is that right now is probably not a good time to get one. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there's a... There's a new, like, technology, like, revolution in the chip set. That you can't make coming. use of yeah. just yet. Yeah. But I, I would definitely keep my eye on it. Oh, I mean, it's a beast of a card, man. Like, yeah. if you're going to buy a video card and you got three or 400 bucks to spend, I would probably spend the extra 100 or two. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably worth it. So, yeah. No, I, I'm probably not going to buy one because I don't need it, but uh, not because it's a bad card. Uh, let's see. Here's one from Nolan Elric. How do you guys feel about buying ad time for Sifted on currently popular podcasts like Kind of Funny or The Bombcast? Think they consider you competition? Uh, yeah, I mean, any outlet is competition because any amount of time that somebody is spending somewhere else, they could be spending it on your site. Or a dollar that somebody spends on Sifted is a dollar that they could spend on Giant Bomb or buying merch somewhere else or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, technically we're all competitors. Uh, But also, at the same time, money speaks. And so, if we wanted to, I'm sure they would probably accept advertising from us if if we spent enough, probably. I don't know. That is actually a pretty good question. I don't think there is a possibility that they might reject it. I think maybe Giant Bomb might be more apt to reject it uh, than Kind of Funny, because Kind of Funny is still an independent kind of thing, and they kind of get the whole vibe, but now that Giant Bomb's a part of GameSpot... Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's reverse. Maybe it's because... Giant Bomb is so corporate now that, you know, CNET is a corporation or CBS Interactive would just take the money and be like, we're running it and you don't have any say in it. So I don't think there's any quick and easy answer to that one, to be honest with you. Um, You'd kind of have to just try it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, probably the better thing to do would just spend money for advertising on YouTube and just target it towards gaming on YouTube. Um, I don't know that we... And basically looking at the view counts for Pactor on YouTube... I would say our style of content probably isn't the best fit. No, you should probably kick Patrick in the balls a couple times next time. <laughs> or make him go through all four questions in three minutes or less. <laughs> or have Under, him, Underwater. Right. Or have him play a video game. Or take a shot every time he's... Yeah, yeah. I have a guarantee if Pactor's show was a Let's Play, it would be like the biggest thing on YouTube. But yeah, we get, you know, we screen... I'll make play Bloodborne, too. <laughs> <laughs> we screen all the comments on YouTube before they go live, and... Uh, most of the comments that are negative are like, this is way too long. They're like, who watches this? It's 18 minutes long or it's 13 minutes long. Or, hmm. And everyone tries to be like the... They're trying to help, but really they're just being jerks. 
Like, well, if I were you, I would make this show three minutes long, and I would tell him to lose some weight, and it's just like, <laughs> it's so bad, but it's a necessary evil, We have some notes on this thing you do for free, Michael. That's exactly what yeah. it is, yeah. <laughs> like, gee, thanks. You paid so much for this. I really respect your opinion, so, yeah. 18 minutes. I think I think the Pactor factors are too short. I'd watch them. I would. I'd watch longer ones. But I know you only have limited time with him. Yeah, people don't get it. Yeah, people don't get a lot about Pactor Factor. Like a lot of people complain about the lighting in Pactor Factor. Well, here's the thing about Pactor Factor. Like, I get there at seven in the morning, and he'll be like, "We have a hard out at like 8:45." So you have to go through four episodes. Like literally, it is like get in there, throw that crap mm-hmm. up as fast as you can. Get those up. Ep- pray you get all the episodes done that you have busted your butt preparing. Because if you run out of time, you're out of there. Yeah. Like there's no like. And a de- you know a good lighting setup. And I do, this is this is a this is speaking as a video producer is what I do. A good lighting setup takes you thirty to forty minutes. Oh yeah. If you want to make it look professional, I mean, I, you could make Factor Factor look great, look super yeah. great, but you'd be there for thirty minutes setting up. Oh, and I Factor up, doesn't give you that kind of time. Right. We'd end up with like two episodes a month instead of the five that we yeah. get. So you, sometimes you got to take the good with the bad. Like it's very easy to be the armchair. I producer. think a lot of people also like me. I know that I, you know, I start it up and I go look at other things. Yeah. And I listen, listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot that happens with Pactor Factor that people don't realize. That At first, people complain about the glare on his glasses. Well, the reason there was glare on his glasses is because it's really hard to light his office. Because, so you're looking at, say, I'm Pactor right now. Well, right here, like, is a wall. You don't see it in the shot, but there's a wall. So we have to put a light here, but we can't put it there because there's no place to put it properly to place it. So we first started shooting it. The lights were right on, and you see the glare in his glasses, and people complained about that. So... We started sliding them to the side, and now they're slid to the side, but it doesn't light him as well, mm-hmm. so he's a little dark. It's like... You kind of think, like, when you look at that shot, that his office is pretty big, but it, it's yeah, not. Yeah, it's deceiving, yeah. Like, so that whole, like, if you're looking at the show like this, like, this this is a wall right here, and, like, the frame is, like, right along the wall. It makes it really difficult to light quickly Yeah, Because, well. like, when, the way the shot's set up, it looks like he's got big open space... On both sides. ...on the right side of the, yeah. of the, of the camera, and it's not... It's just not. Yeah, so... Offices aren't that big in those buildings. Like, we do the best we can. And look, it's, I will say this. Like, when we... when we, At GT, we did have... Tend to have more time with him to shoot than we do now. He's just a lot busier than mm-hmm. he used to be, and, like, uh, we just appreciate that he carves out the time at all. And uh, I think everybody should look at it that way. He's a really busy guy who has really important crap going on, like... I don't know. It's just funny. People are very quick to criticize without knowing exactly what's going on, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. So, Let's see. What? Here's one from Snowpiercer. I finally got that right. right. I've stopped trying to pronounce yeah, your I'm name. I'm not going to pronounce that. It's just Snowpiercer. Yeah. Now. What game franchises would you like to see given the movie treatment? I mean, are there any franchises at this point that don't have it? That are worthy. Well, I mean, of Un- Uncharted's coming. Sly Cooper's coming. Last of Us is in Assassin's the pipeline. Creed is coming. Assassin's Last Creed of is, us coming. is coming. Gee, I don't even want to. And I don't even want to see those. Frankly, yeah, I mean, really. Most game stories are not really worth making a movie. They're really not. You're They're there. Not. You're there for the activity, <laughs> and like the story's there as an excuse to do what you're doing. Yeah, that's kind of my point about Uncharted Four in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I, don't, I mean, like I don't. Even my favorites. I mean, me. I. You know what? Maybe I'd kind of like to see a Panzer Dragoon movie, just yeah. to, just to do some justice to that art design. Yeah, I can see know? that. 
Because, like, you know, you wouldn't have to be a straight adaptation or whatever, but just, like, to see that world again with, like, modern effects and stuff, that would be kind of cool. So maybe Panzer Dragoon would be something I'd pick. Here's a really good question from Rowdy Wabbit. Love that name. Hmm. Would IGN have to deal with ID claims from GT videos since they are all going to YouTube? Yes. That's a very good question. They would. Yeah. Um, because wow. GT was a Viacom property, I'm sure all that content is ID'd because Viacom mm-hmm. is what created the content ID system. Yeah. The lawsuit, all that content is ID'd. And you have to negotiate to, uh, to remove all of that, yeah. possibly on a per video, video basis. basis. Yeah. Wow. That's actually a really, really. They should have had you in the fucking meeting for that one. Wow. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. There's going to be a lot of hoops to jump through there. Um, Maybe they could do a mass release. Um, I guess it depends on if everything is all on one channel. I don't know. That is a really, really good question. One of the best ones we've got on our uh, on Game Face. So. Yeah, I guess keep it. We'll keep an eye on that one because now I'm now I'm curious. Yeah, I want to know what the heck's going on with it. Um. Rewind Playlab, do you think iGen will be the only video game website left in five years? Everyone else will just be YouTube channels. I kind of said this on the episode of Game Face when uh, GT closed, but yeah, I do believe that. I don't know if it'll be five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in ten years it'll probably be the only one, if it even exists still. Um, who knows what'll be happening with the internet in ten years? Like, holy cow, it's moving so fast. One thing I will say is iGen is going to be the last one standing. I guess it's, just, it's, too, it's kind of been a too big to fail. It's a two, well. It can still fail. It can, but it would probably have to be also with the kind of the implicit like surrender of the parent company. Like the parent yeah. company, you have to decide it's not worth exploiting the space any further. Yeah, I mean, I've been privy to which some, could happen. I've been privy to some information about IGN's financials. Um, like I say, how or why or whatever, but they could fail. Mm-hmm. I guess is. The only thing I'll say about it. Like, Quest stands on the edge of a knife, huh? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I'd say on the edge of a knife, but uh, but they're not perhaps as financially healthy as you might mm. expect, I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, they're generating a ton of money. Like, they made a ton of money off ad revenue. Um, but that doesn't necessarily benefit them so much as the people pulling the strings. Well, it benefits them, but they spend a mm. lot of money, I mm. guess is the best way to put it. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think I can say any more than that. So, they. But that said, they will be the last one standing. Like you can already see it. And iGen was smart because it diversified almost immediately. Like it started as a video game website, but almost instantaneously, it started doing comics and movies and television. Mm-hmm. Now you're just seeing all the other sites start to figure that out. So, like we curate content, and we see the way the admin is built. We see all the content coming into our admin from all the websites, and. All these websites now are doing entertainment stuff. GameSpot, Polygon. In fact, in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, I think I may have seen just as much content around movies and television on GameSpot as I did video games. Like, they just launched, like, a brand new show. There might even be multiple shows for Game of Thrones. It's called GameSpot of Thrones. Like, original mm-hmm. name, I know. But... It's taking, taking hours. Come up with that one. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like that's where they're all headed. They they need to diversify to survive. And IGN did that a long time ago. Like it, mm-hmm. it was smart. Like it jumped out ahead of it, just like it was smart to scoop up GameTrailers.com. Like nobody else did that. IGN did it. So, 
you know, they're making some pretty smart moves over there. They had the foresight. They also had the, the wherewithal, the revenue, and the resources to do it. So that makes a big difference as well. So mm -hmm. well, I, I have a feeling I don't know anything specific, but I have a feeling a lot of these gaming websites are really starting to scrape by. Yeah. It's like been, for been instance, that way for a while. Like for instance, one thing I've noticed is that GameSpot doesn't even really publish video reviews on GameSpot.com anymore. Like all the video reviews are on its YouTube channel now, hmm. which shows that you know there's a bandwidth pinch going on there, and mm -hmm. they're trying to be smart about it. So five years, I don't know. It's possible it could be the only gaming website left in five years. A lot can happen in five years. A lot. Um, I tend to think not. I mean, I think Kotaku at least will still be around then. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe GameSpot. I don't know. It's it's not good. Giant Bomb. Yeah, I mean, well, Giant Bomb is GameSpot, basically. Yeah, but they're their own thing. Oh, they're their own brand, but they're... I mean, yeah, the parent company is They're the same, on the right? same room as GameSpot. They're on the same floor as GameSpot. You know, yeah. they share... You see talent from GameSpot working on Giant Bomb and vice versa. And I don't know. I still think... I know, I, I know they were acquired and all that, but I still kind of think of them as separate. Yeah, I just, mean, the, just the content style. Well, they were separate for so many yeah. years that. Yeah. But just the, you know, they, they Giant Bomb retained its voice. I think. Oh, for sure. So, oh, yeah. I wouldn't say that at all. Like, yeah. They're totally different from yeah. GameSpot and all that. But when you're talking about one company surviving or another company not, they're probably going to shut both of those things down at once if they right, were going to shut were, one. If of them it were down. to come to that, yeah, yeah it would probably happen to both at the same time. Well, and Elric asks if I'm happy about Jeff Johns being made co-lead for DC Movies and Warner Brothers. Uh, sort of. Um, I think it's a good move. I think Johns uh, is, knows where those characters should be. Um, I have heard that he is not in as powerful a position as it may sound like he is. Like, he's not the Kevin Feige of the DC ex Extended Universe. He's more of an advisor, and he may not have the clout to do anything about stuff, at least it's already in production. I'm talking about Justice League and Zack Snyder. Um, so it's a positive move. Shows that they're reacting and learning. Like I said earlier, Warner Brothers is learning from the shockwaves sent through by uh, the underperformance of Batman versus Superman, but uh, we'll see if it's enough to save him. I think Suicide Squad is going to do very well, though. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to do really well. Uh, let's see... Here's one from Dyson XP. What's a typical workday like working on Sifted, or are there no two days ever the same? Um, no two days during the week are the same, but we every now it's every Thursday. Like mm. every Thursday is the same. It's a mad dash to get Game Face done. Like Game Face literally takes all day of a day to prepare for the show. All day. And then we do the show. I've been going since 7 in the morning, and it's, what time is it? Like almost ten o'clock here, mm -hmm. so I'm staring at right now a fifteen-hour day already. And once <laughs> Me this too, is just not here, yeah. But. And once this is done, then you know it's about getting the archive done and getting the archive up to the site, and that won't be wrapped up until like three in the morning. Um, and then I'll sleep five or six hours, get up around eight nine o'clock, and then it's back to like curation, talking to our freelance writers who are writing reviews, talking to PR people, trying to get code. Uh, working on merchandise. I mean, it is really different every day, which is something that I do like about it, other than the days that we do shows. Like, mm -hmm. now that it's Thursday, like, every Thursday will be the same. And before that, it was Tuesday or Wednesday. We had a little run for a while there. So, it is pretty much different every day. Like, I'm interacting with different people every day, and we're working on different stuff every day. Um, but the one thing that holds true is the days are long every day. 
Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the one thing. I like this one. Justin Horman asks, besides Doom and Arkham Asylum, what is another game that surprised you when it came out and it actually turned out to be good when he was sure it would be terrible? Sure, it would be terrible. Not about terrible, but yeah. I'm trying to think of a game that, like, fuck it. That... I don't know if found, I can think of any game that I thought was terrible, or I thought was going to be, to be terrible, terrible, and then it ended up being great. I mean, the game I had the lowest anticipation for that I was most surprised by its quality is Resident Evil 4. Hmm. Because at that point we had played Nemesis, which I wasn't a huge fan of, and we had played, played the Dreamcast game. Code Veronica. Code Veronica. Which at the time I was blown away by the graphics, but the game itself wasn't all that great. I thought that, I thought that was one of the best Resident Evil games at the time, and I went back to play it when they put it out on the 360, and I was like, "Oh no! Yeah. Like, oh, this it game is unplayable! Like, it does no, yeah. not at all." It's probably one of the worst Resident Evil games ultimately in hindsight. It's, it, yeah, it's like a it's a weird like transitional fossil yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> And that's the thing, like, you know, you kind of, I didn't expect it to go in the direction it was going in, and I mean, it wasn't just good, like, in my opinion, Resident Evil 4 is, like, one of the best games ever, and it just kept getting better. I remember I was playing it for review on X-Play, and I kept coming in every day, and I'm like, no, I'm telling you guys, like, Mm. this game is, like, literally might be the best video game ever made, and, uh... You guys are like, really? And I'm like, I'm telling you, everybody played. I remember Blair Butler, our lead writer at the time, was like, no way, no way. And, Hmm. you know, she's always, like, snarky and Mm -hmm. kind of pessimistic a little bit. And then she... And she's a Resident Evil purist as well. Yeah, yeah. At the time. Yep. But it changed everything. And it has changed everything since. So I think that was... I can't really think of a a game I thought was going to be terrible that ended up being great. Maybe a terrible game that was passable. Mm-hmm. But as far as a game where my expectations were at one level and then ultimately they went to a higher level, Resident Evil 4 was the biggest change for me. Hmm. I had one and then I forgot it when we started talking about Resident Evil. All the jibber-jabber. Yeah. I'll think. Look for another question if I remember it. Um, let's see. From Snub B, does Overwatch have the legs under it to hold its popularity? You think they will use a COD-style map pack DLC sales? Oh, I remember. Uh... Call of Duty 2. When I went in to review that, I thought it was going to be another like, World War II shooter, and I did not want to play another World War II shooter, and I just like, I just was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day, like, slogging through another shooter I don't care about, and it just blew me out the back of the, back of the window. Yeah, like, it was just, it, 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 I was not ready for the production value of Infinity Ward. So, yeah, Call of Duty, so Call of Duty 2, I think, would be my pick there. Good pick. Again, Snub B. I know Snub was like, no, he was going to answer my question, and you, Matt jumped in. Uh, I didn't forget. Snub B, does Overwatch have the legs under it to hold its popularity? Do you think they will use a COD-style map pack DLC sales or perhaps larger World of Warcraft-style expansions every year or so? That's a good question. Yeah. It's Blizzard. Blizzard will make, will make it happen one way or another. I think... Oh, man, that's a tough one. I would say... I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. That is a tough, that's a good question. You guys are coming up with great questions tonight. Um, I don't know because on one hand, you see what Blizzard has done in the past, which is what he pointed out. But then on the other hand, you look at the way shooters are traditionally done, which is like, here's three map packs and we're out. But I don't see Blizzard ever doing that. Like saying, here's three map packs and we're out. Like Blizzard builds its brands to go forever. Mm-hmm. 
And so, but then you start thinking about a shooter, like big, like big expansion packs work for like an MMORPG, but... Didn't they say most of that stuff's going to be free, though? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a better model that they'll follow is like Team Fortress 2, mm-hmm. where it just really gets heavy into like cosmetics, but then I don't know how the cosmetics will work with those characters. You, th- you say that, but Blizzard's probably going to play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's it. I, I mean, what if someone had told you the whole hat plan for Team Fortress 2 right. like when it first launched, and you're like, you crazy? No, I thought it was insane yeah. even after like it had been out and successful. I still thought people were crazy, but that's probably the model they'll follow. Cosmetics, mm-hmm. like pay for cosmetics on down the road. Hats, boots, whatever. Colors, that type of thing. Good question, though, man. Really good one. I see Vin Hill. When is Shane taking his sifted birthday vacation? Yeah. Not anytime soon, my brother. Got E3 coming up. That is not happening. Uh, what segment or show? This is from Vinaraba. What segment or show from G4 or game trailers do you wish you could revive on Sifted? Um, wow. I always enjoyed... Uh, every once in a while they throw recurring segments at me to keep me quiet. And uh, back in the early days of <laughs> X-Play, because I'd come up, I want to talk about this game, and this game, and this game, and this game. All of a sudden, I had a TV show that I could just, like, put all my favorite games on, and so, like, it was a way to get me to, like, go away for a week, I think. But they used to make me do uh, Weird Games, was a recurring yeah, segment. Yeah, that was a good segment. Where yeah. I would, like, pick two, like, niche, usually niche, like, import titles or something, and I think I, I did, like, I did um, Jammer Lammy, import version, and uh, Boku no Cooking, and... Um, uh, Guitaru Man and a bunch of stuff like that, and like I just got to highlight these weird, weird games and sort of like, go through like how strange. Oh, and like a couple of weird, like uh, the the Yoshinoya like Beat restaurant roll, yeah. simulator game, yeah. and like just like stuff like that, and like the ability to highlight like these weird things and just a, a quick flash of like, yeah, this exists. Good luck. <laughs> so that was that was probably my favorite segment to do back in the day because it was just me, me and a couple of like retro games and. Get your head down, capture it, write up some funny stuff, and sort of celebrate them. Yeah. For me, on a practical level, from GT, video reviews. I just wish we had the resources to be able to do video reviews. Um, it, was re- it was a part of the plan initially, but unfortunately, we just do not, do not have the resources to do them. So on a more practical level, it would be video reviews. On a more artistic level, like timeline. Uh, I mean, of course. Like, it's the most expensive, time-intensive piece mm. of content we ever created at Game Trailers for a reason. Like, our editor, Marco, like, literally rendered, like, the Temple of Time. Like, he rendered it by hand, modeled the whole freaking thing for the intro to the Zelda timeline. <laughs> so, like, for the vignettes in between the sections, he could pan the camera around. Like, it's just... The amount of work that went into that is just... It took months and months to get each one of them done. And so, yeah, pie in the sky, that would be the one. It's just completely... Another, I don't think anything like that will ever be done again in the history of video game websites. It just won't. Like, it was dumb for us to do it. I okayed it <laughs> as the boss man. Imagine um, how good that would be in VR. My bosses were not happy about me okaying timeline. I took one, a couple for the team on that one because I just knew it was going to be this thing that like no one else was going to be able to do. And at that point, like we had been caught being copied so much by other websites that it was becoming really mm. hard to like do something to like copy set yourself up right. Thing. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. I was like, all right then. Like it's easy to copy our comparison videos or our pop blocks, but copy this. 
and they never did. Nope. And no one ever will, because it was stupid. <laughs> yeah, my bosses were not happy about that. Like, because at first it was like, oh, it's going to be two weeks, and then it dragged into like two months. And I remember my boss one day coming to me and being like, See, my equivalent of that was it was probably the uh, the Star Wars shows I would yeah. do on X Play, where like we'd end up having like a month of like smoke sessions to do like all the lightsaber effects and stuff, yeah. and I I don't even know how much they cost, but usually they they you know I was allowed to do it because they knew it made me happy. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and and like after like I think the one we the one we did at Star Wars Celebration three, it was just like yeah, no more. Yeah. Like the smoke editor was like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. That was a month of drawing. Beams of light on a on a frame by frame for thirty days. I'm not doing that again. So that was the end of that. But I'll put it to you this way: I worked at GT for seven years. My boss never even raised his voice at me the whole time until that. Hmm. And he didn't yell. He raised his voice, and he had never raised his voice with me. And after you've worked someplace for like six years, and your boss never raises his voice at you, and he does, you get the message real freaking quick. And I did, but we still finished it. Take that. Hmm. All right, one more question. See if we can find a really good one here. I know there's tons in here. We're really sorry, guys, if we're blowing over. Oh, wow, there's really a lot. Uh... <laughs> this is for Vigi Games. Who wrote the Medios review for X-Play? Were we sued by Scientologists? No, we were not. I don't, I, I don't remember who wrote that. I think, if... did I write it? I don't remember. I thought I remembered. I, I know. I, I no, remember. I was gone by the time. Yeah, you were gone by the yeah. time that happened. But I, I, I mean, I want to say that was either John Solon or Tim Jennings, if the, if it was a big Scientology joke. Yeah, I'm thinking it was one of those two. I don't remember for sure. But we never heard anything from the Scientology side of things. Although when we first got to LA, a bunch of pe- a bunch of us were afraid. Until you can't find a job. <laughs> we're, we were, yeah, we were all a bunch of us were afraid to talk about Scientology yeah. because we thought they were listening on it every corner. It is a weird, creepy element of living in LA. Like if you work yeah. in entertainment, especially, like you don't like people who are really concerned about being actors or something like that. Like they don't talk about Scientology yeah. in public. They like they won't even like stream going clear, like just in case someone finds <laughs> yeah. out. And it's like. Funny. If you've ever played the Kiflam uh, side quest in GTA V, like, shockingly accurate. And I sometimes I wonder if, like, the Housers got in trouble for that with anyone. Or if they're on a list somewhere because of that. Because that, that, that side quest is brutal. Alright, so here's a quick one I can answer. Uh, how big is the studio that you're all in, and is that where you work during the day? So, what you see about from here back, the studio is about... Four times that, something like that. Mm. Do I work here every day? Not every day. Um, some days I do work from home. Um, I probably work here in the studio two to three days a week, something like that. And of course, we always come in for a game face as well. Um, but I don't come in every day because I don't need to. But um, and somebody Nolan asks, uh, who, what happened to the guy who played Stanley in Drunk Link? That's uh, Mike Leffler, and he is now a, the what, I think the lead producer on DC Comics All Access, the show with Tiffany Smith uh, that. That happens weekly. Good dude, by the way. Michael yeah, Leffler is one awesome. The, by far one. He was working in the tape library when, when we got to G4. And we hired him on as an associate producer because uh, he wanted to get into production. And he turned out to be like our, like our best producer and our best actor. Like all in one. So yeah, Leffler is, Leffler is a rock star. Yep. All right, so that's it. Game Phase 50. Big milestone episode. Yep. It's a big freaking deal, man. 50 episodes of a show. That's no joke. And the only reason we got here is because of you. So 
Hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. My face hurts from laughing so much. This is really <laughs> a fun episode. I didn't know before we came in and recorded. I'm like, the topics are a little lean today, but we always seem to somehow find a way. We'll go on and on. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, I really had fun with this episode tonight. Hopefully you guys did too. Sorry for the little bit of the late start. We were having great... It's just been one of those days. I'm a technical gonna... problem day. Yeah, I'm sure. not even going to go into it. It's just been one of those days. But we persevered and we made it through. Uh, thanks to everyone. In fact, we need to thank people on the East Coast tonight. For staying yeah. up late, because we're starting later, and then we started later, and so it's really late for you guys. If any of you guys stuck around in New York, Philadelphia, Boston, D.C., wherever, mm-hmm. uh, we really appreciate it. And of course, the people in Europe. The commitment is even bigger now that uh, we're doing the show a little later, although we are a little closer to the weekend, so hopefully that does help you guys. Maybe some of you guys get Fridays off or something like that. Or at least you know on Saturday you can sleep as long as you freaking want. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's it for Game Phase 50. As always, thanks for being on the stream. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh you're right. Yep. Almost forgot. I got so excited about episode 50, I almost forgot. Good call, Sam. Sifted Elite Roll Call. Sam, our TriCaster operator, saved my ass again. Let's bring them up, Sam. Here they are. People who donated $50 or more to our Elite Donation Program. I love the first one. Sir Ralphus. Dan Parsons, Andre XP. I like this one too. This is really fun to say. Chibi Demos, <laughs> <laughs> the, the barefoot rat, PB Redcoat French, and the Retro Gamer. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Building up quite a stable of pro wrestlers here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Names. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Sam, for reminding me. I would have felt god off. I would have been asleep tonight if I realized I didn't announce this to the members. I really would have felt terrible. So thank you, and thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. Don't forget, big change is coming to Sifted real soon. So make sure you get that credit card information, PayPal information updated. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>